Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sybil. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com, we're beginning our wedding series with a look at one of the highest grossing romantic comedies of all time. We'll discuss many of the tropes of the rom-com genre, including the classic fake dating trope. And we'll look at the careers of Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds, Betty White, and more as we discuss the 2009 hit movie, The Proposal. Hey, Sybil. Hi, Jennifer. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. I think, did you like miss the entire Gen X series? I think I we did. Didn't have- I felt really sad about it, but I did. I was super busy at that time. And I love mm-hmm. Gen X movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's your favorite? Just like as we look, we can look back and just pick one. Uh, I mean, can you have a favorite Gen X movie? Like I literally was like, I mean, there's so many good ones and you did so many of them, but I will say like Chasing Amy is among my favorites. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, would, it's a really good one. Yeah, like after, you know, covering them all again, yeah, Chasing Amy really sticks out to me as well. But yeah, it was really great to do the series. I'm sorry we missed you, but like, I'm glad to have you here for the beginning of the wedding rom-com series. Of yeah, which I do. I do like weddings. I do like rom-coms. Together, they're always magic. What I wonder, like, what do you think makes them like a, a magic combination? Well, I think that it's it's people coming together, right? So you have you have this like thing where like people are already in love, right? So they're coming together. It's also this heightened amount of energy for everyone involved, right? So because weddings, you have all of this emotion, you have all of this drama, whether it's like good drama or bad drama, you have all this drama happening. And then you have people who are sitting around being like, but I wish this was me. And is this my time? And TikTok, you know, it, so much stuff happens around weddings. Yeah. And there's a lot of pageantry too. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like one of the fun things is like, there's tends to be like music and dancing and interesting costumes as well. And mm-hmm. like you said, people coming together. So you get the the weird relatives or the strange wedding guests, the strange wedding officiants. So like throughout the series, we're going to definitely visit a lot of different you know, corners of that world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also location. So like you might go to a place that you would never go otherwise because people will do crazy crap. They'll, they'll, they'll spend bank and go to like castles for weddings, you know, Jamaica, the, the Aruba, they go to all kinds of crazy places for weddings. You're like, okay, you went, you had a, you had a wedding in, in the Antarctic. Okay. I don't know if that's ever been done. Has it? I, I don't, don't know, know, but they could. They could do it. I'm sure somebody's out there being like, I can't wait to do the way- the penguin wedding movie. <laughs> so do you have a favorite um, wedding movie or wedding rom-com or? I mean, my fa- my all-time favorite is probably Muriel's Wedding, which I know you and I both have a huge love of. Yeah. But um, Four Weddings and a Funeral is also such a good staple yeah, yeah, I, that would be right up near the top of my list as well. And we're definitely going to get that one covered during the series. And um, also, I really like the wedding banquet, which we might cover during the series. 
So we'll have a lot of other wedding movies to look forward to in this series. The whole thing has not been planned yet either. So if you have any ideas for wedding rom-coms you would like us to cover, uh, please feel free to send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And before we get started with today's episode, a reminder, as usual on the show, we'll have a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the episode, and we will let you know when the spoiler section begins. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom, podcast and blog. Our Instagram is at Every Romcom, and our Twitter handle is at Every Romcom Pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And now we're going to listen to a part of the trailer for the proposal. I need you around this weekend. You have a problem with that? No, I just, I, I just my grandmother's 90th birthday, so I, I was going to go home and it's fine. I'll cancel it. Is that your family? Yes. They tell you to quit? Every single day. Margaret Tate's office. This isn't about my second raise, is it? Margaret, your visa application is denied. You're being deported. Deported? It's not like I'm an immigrant or something. I'm from Canada. If you're deported, you can't work for an American company. If there was any way at all that we could make this thing work. Pardon the interruption. Um... I understand the predicament, but there is something that you should know. We are, uh, we're getting married. Who, who is getting married? You and I. You and I are getting married. Yes. We are getting married. We are getting married. Yes. Can't fight a can't fight a love like ours. So, uh, uh, are we good? Make it all legal and we'll put this whole thing behind us. I'm not gonna marry you. <laughs> if you don't, you'll be on the street all alone looking for a job. Have the two of you told your parents about your secret love? We're going to their place this weekend. Oh, where's that? Alaska. Alaska. Andrew's room. He'll sleep in here with you. We love to snuggle, don't we, honey? Huge snugglers. Breakfast for the happy couple. Oh, my God, what is that? I'm sorry. What is it? It's the morning. This summer. How can you be around someone in major life so miserable? Sweetie, honey. Some proposals change you. Why don't you get married here tomorrow? Let's see a kiss. Why don't you do it really fast? For better or worse. Sandra Bullock. Hello? Ryan Reynolds. Oh! Oh! Oh my Why god! Are you naked? Why are you oh my god. The proposal. Maybe a tad uh, loose in certain areas. I'm a bit chesty to begin with. It's like an Easter egg hunt. There they are. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that Katy Perry song, man, I feel like it should be in every trailer now. Like, it really I made mean, me jazzed. It does. It really like she she did such a good job like singing that. It's really good. I don't know who wrote it, but it's always like very jazzy and fun. Yeah, it's not in the movie as far as I can see, but like yeah, it works. It works for the trailer. But if I never hear that taking care of business song in another trailer, I will be happy. Oh God, you're right. Oh. <laughs> like oh. people are working. Let's play the taking care of business song in the background. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. Yeah, do you like the trailer for this one? I mean, obviously it's better visually, but 
Um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good trailer. And also I think it doesn't give away everything, you know, like some of these trailers you're like, and then I saw the whole movie, not like there's any that many surprises in this movie, Yeah. but I feel like it does a really good job of wetting your appetite, getting you the feel of what's happening in the movie without being like, and here's every second beat of the film. Yeah. Although it does put one of the juicier scenes from the movie on the screen, but you know, whatever, you can't really see enough of like. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock kind of naked, really. I don't know. But it whets your appetite. So <laughs> yeah. like once again, that it whets your appetite, <laughs> but it doesn't, you don't like know everything that's happening. So yeah. it's like, okay. So some basic information. The proposal was released June 19th, 2009, directed by a woman, Anne Fletcher, written by Peter Chiarelli, and stars Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. So the premise of this movie is, well, it's, Sandra Bullock, who is Margaret, she's a high-powered editor-in-chief at a publishing company. And Andrew is her long-suffering assistant. And he wants to become an editor so, so badly. And he has this manuscript that's like his baby that he's been trying to get off the ground, but nobody will listen to him about it. When Margaret is threatened with deportation, she threatens Andrew, her assistant, into becoming her fiancé for a green card. And he agrees to the arrangement in exchange for a promotion because he really wants to get this manuscript that he loves off the ground. So they decide that they're going to convince the immigration officer that their love is real because that's what you do in a movie like this. And they're going to go meet his family in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some, some interesting facts about the movie. Um, first of all, the proposal is one of the highest grossing romantic comedies of all time. Like depending on what list you look at, it'll be placed a little differently because I don't know, sometimes they're just doing domestic, sometimes they're doing international gross, but the entertainment weekly list has it as number seven on the list of top grossing romantic comedies of all time behind movies such as my big fat Greek wedding, what women want hitch pretty woman. There's something about Mary and crazy rich Asians. And we've this only was covered- super fascinating to me. This was so yeah. interesting to me because I mean, this is a really old movie too. Is it? It's only 2009. That's not really old. <laughs> well, it actually is. Think about we're in 2022 now. That's actually yeah, pretty no. old these days. <laughs> no, <laughs> not to me. I mean, I'm pretty woman's on that list too. So there you go. And also, yeah, but you're, you have a, you make a good point though. Cause like some of the lists will adjust things for inflation. Some of the lists won't. So yeah. in, in that terms of that, sure. Yeah, we've only covered one of the other movies on on that list so far, which is um, Crazy Rich Asians. So right, yeah. but that, when I saw that it was Crazy Rich Asians was on that list, I was like, oh, so they actually did like the adjustment things probably, and I was like, wow, and the proposal is on here, fantastic. All right. So the proposal was number seven on Entertainment Weekly's list, and it grossed over one hundred and sixty three million domestically, with a worldwide box office of three hundred and fourteen million. And it cost $40 million to make. So it actually, it cost a fair amount up front too. Mm -hmm. um, it, was the, it was also the 13th highest grossing movie of 2009. And screenwriter Peter Chiarelli set the movie in Sitka, Alaska, because he had worked there gutting fish one summer during college. Despite being set in Sitka, though, this movie was mainly filmed in Massachusetts and New York. Um, especially Rockport and Manchester-by-the-Sea, Massachusetts, are two of the main filming locations. Because filming in Sitka would have put them way over budget. So there are only there are only a couple like second unit exterior shots that were filmed in Sitka. And Julia Roberts was initially approached to play Margaret, the, the lead role, but she turned it down. Can you imagine this movie with Julia Roberts? Well, well that makes sense to me. Because if you look at it, um, if you look at almost any film at that time, especially, um, 
it you would either have Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock in rom-coms and they're to this day head to head like who is better as in rom-com like hmm. Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock because they are the queens of rom-com yeah we'll get to that in a little bit I want to talk about that as a, as a whole discussion point but yeah it would have been yeah. just been like gangly and unawkward hmm yeah I think Sandra Bullock um also, Sandra Bullock, she she presents, gives such an air of goodwill that like, even if she's playing yeah. kind of a jerky character, you kind of have that girl next door feeling about her to, to fall back on. I think I she know. also adds a little more gravitas to that because she's supposed to be this high powered person. And I, I, I find that Julia Roberts never really, in my opinion, pulls that off to the same degree. Hmm. Yeah, maybe in closer, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe in some of the dramatic work she's done more recently, but yeah, not in rom-coms. But for rom-com, for rom-com work. Yeah. Yeah. I find that she does like, that's not where her, like her cuteness and whatever her, her rom-com accessibility lies. Yeah. She also suffers from the thing where women who are incredibly sexy get, you know, pigeonholed is not, you know, intelligent also, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like where Sandra Bullock has more of a, a mutable face, like she can look incredibly sexy. She can also look kind of plain, like she can go mm -hmm. different ways. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, yeah. So in, unlike the plot of the movie in real life, Ryan Reynolds was born in Canada while Sandra Bullock is from the U S I found that somewhat interesting. And there's a nice refreshing age difference in the movie where Sandra Bullock it was actually 12 years older than Ryan Reynolds when they were filming. Well, she's still 12, year old, 12 years older than Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, we get the woman being older than the man, which we've seen in a few of the movies we've covered, but which you don't see on a regular basis. And something else just to for our listeners, um, if you check the show notes, I will link to a video you can watch. Um, the cast of the proposal made a fake behind the scenes video where the the joke is that Betty White is very nice to everyone on the set except for Ryan Reynolds, and she's a real jerk to Ryan Reynolds. And then Ryan Reynolds loses it at Betty White, and then he gets scolded by the other cast members. But she's and only even, a jerk to him behind yeah. behind everyone else's back. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. That's the funny part of that. Which I want to be on. Like this is a piece that I find it really interesting because if you look at how Ryan Reynolds does a lot of his comedy of the promotion of his movies now, this is very much like that. Mm. So I always like look at this and I think, did he get the idea for this from that? Or was this actually his idea? Oh, you mean like the Deadpool stuff and everything? or like Almost anything. If you look at a lot of his, like besides Deadpool, but any of the stuff that he does, his, he does a lot of kind of this kind of like faking comedy and like self-deprecating, like advertising for his films and whatever. This is the kind of stuff he does. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny, though. Even though we told you everything that happens, it's still funny to watch. It's still so hysterical. Check it out. It's so funny. Let's talk now about our general opinion of the movie. So when I talked about winning rom-coms, like, this is the one that, like, came up for you, like, right away. Like, I'm curious, like, why this movie? Well, clearly it was, I didn't realize it, but it's, I'm not alone. People love this movie. And I had no idea that they loved it so much as a high, highest grossing film. Because nowadays, when I talk to people about The Proposal, they're like, oh, The Proposal, that movie. Oh. But I really I really love The Proposal. I like the plot. I love the chemistry between all of the characters. I think that mm -hmm. both Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock have great chemistry together. They're just really fun together. And I wouldn't say that I believe that they're going to like have a sexy romance together. <laughs> I do feel that they have some on-screen chemistry, but it's not like super sexy. But they're, I, I don't 
I don't know if they're supposed to, because like, they're also just kind of meeting, you know, at the same time, I really appreciate everyone's kind of chemistry together. And I like that there is a lot more backstory to the characters, even if you're not seeing it. In my mind, this is a movie that I like to watch over and over again and create more backstory for the characters because it's it's set up even if you don't see it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they really were thoughtful to have like backstory for why people are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for me, like this goes in my, so I have different kinds of rom-coms. There's rom-coms that I absolutely love that I, that I consider like, like film quality rom-coms, like where that transcends like genre. There's rom-coms that I really like, and I know that they don't really, you know, transcend the genre, but I, I, they just, I watch them all the time. And then this falls more into like the, if this is on TV and I'm in a certain mood, I will watch it. You know what I mean? Or if this is on streaming and I just need something to watch that like I've seen before and I like, okay, I'll watch it. That's where the proposal falls for me. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I really like love it. I do like agree with what you're saying about the different people in it. The chemistry among the actors is really good because it's not just the main couple, but like uh, Betty White's grandma character and even Mary Steenburgen is the mom. I've never really liked Craig T. Nelson. Sorry, Craig T. Nelson. It's not your fault. <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, I don't even know but, if he's supposed to be that likable in this in yeah. this role either. That's the thing. Like he's supposed to be like kind of this stodgy guy who you're like, do does anybody even get this dude? Yeah, but it's it's like so. I don't know. So that that's kind of where I fall on this movie. I think like we'll, we'll talk more about the premise later and how I think it's mm-hmm. like all kinds of ridiculous, but it's 100% <laughs> and- true. It's 100% true. And that's one of the reasons I like it too. Um but I I've always thought to myself this of any of the kind of like rom-coms that I've watched, I would love to have seen would love to see them bring this in to the idea of making this into like a series. And they don't have to call it the proposal, but any of these characters, I would watch I would watch the heck out of a series of these hmm. people. Like they're married, they get married. What happens? Because I just find the character so intriguing. I can't say that I share that passion, but I mean, I'm sure, like the, you know, there there are stories you could tell. Yeah, there yeah. are definitely stories you could tell. Okay, so now we're gonna talk a little about the cast and crew. And Sybil, like you get to do the honors on our main uh, of 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 Sandra Bullock. So Sandra Bullock plays Margaret and her first IMDb credit was a movie called Hangman in 1987. Uh, other early work includes playing Tess in a TV version of of the movie Working Girl, which by the way I watched. It was super weird, I'll be honest with you. I felt that it was a weird rendition of that. Huh. And on Love Potion number 9, which is actually one of my favorite movies and Demolition really? Man, also another one of my favorite movies. I've never seen, okay, I've seen Demolition Man. I've never seen Love Potion number nine. And then I watched the trailer for it and I'm like, we have to cover this at some point. <laughs> I, I own it on DVD because, and I only own movies that I love. And I own Love Potion number nine because I really, really love it. Yeah, it's got like, okay, I, I'm sorry. I never remember his name. The dad from the OC, Marissa's dad from the OC and her are in it. And it's like, they're doing science experiments to become attractive. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, we have to cover this someday. She's anyway. so super near. It's it's like her her original character from Miss Congeniality. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the role <laughs> she's in. So, but like, it, it's such a fun movie and she's so good. We forget that Sandra Bullock is very versatile. She's such a versatile yeah. actress. I love her so much. Yeah. So her breakout role was opposite Keanu Reeves in 1994's action rom-com Speed. And yes, people, it, it was a rom-com. Followed quickly by While You Were Sleeping in 1995. Other notable 90s work includes A Time to Kill, Hope Floats, Practical Magic, and Forces of Nature. 
Um, she started out in the 2000s with Miss Congeniality. The other 2000s work before the proposal included 28 Days, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Two weeks notice, crash, not the crash you were thinking about, but the other crash. Wait, wait, wait. Nobody, wait. Which crash do you think people are thinking about? Do you think they're thinking <laughs> so, about the weird? Yes, nobody the knows weird, about yes. that one. I'm telling you, nobody knows about this movie. <laughs> anyway. Every time I say that, they're like, she was in that movie? And I'm like, I'm like, no, she was not in the one that had Spader. Not that one. Where people where people fetishize traffic accidents. No, yes. very few people know that that exists, though. So I'll just tell you that. <laughs> the Miscongeniality sequel and The Lake House. Um, also, does Lake House have Keanu Reeves in it? Yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm going to talk about it later because it's one of my yeah, double okay, feature cool. recommendations. Um, the Blind Side, which is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time was released in later in 2009 and Bullock won an Oscar for that performance. She's amazing in it. Since the proposal, she's also appeared in Gravity, Ocean's 8, and Bird Box. Her most recent work is the adventure rom-com The Lost City with Channing Tatum, also worth a watch, guys. She's in post-production on an action thriller called Bullet Train, which I think is a Japanese remake of another. I think it's a Japanese remake. She's also been a producer on many of her projects since 1996 because she likes to control her work so you did see Lost City? I, I meant to yeah, see it, but I wasn't able to Yeah, I did see Lost City. It. it was so good. She and Channing Tatum were hysterical together. Nice. It has very much a, um, yeah. Romance no, in the Stone? Yeah, it has a very Romance in the Stone film. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be just like Romance in the Stone. Yeah, it's it? very, <laughs> it's, I mean, I, they even like riff on it. A couple, like there are serious points of it where I'm just like, if you know, you know. Nice. So, um, so yeah, you were we were hinting before about this, but... Do you consider Sandra Bullock the ultimate rom-com heroine or like, do you have other contenders for that? I actually do believe Sandra Bullock is probably the ultimate. Um, she's also just one of my favorite actresses. I don't know if you could tell by the way that like, I love her films, but I do feel that she is probably one of the best. And the reason why I think that she is probably the ultimate is because she is, I think, more versatile than probably anybody else in rom-com. Hmm. Oh yeah. You're starting to convince me a little bit with that. Yeah. Because, like, I, I have a hard time naming one, naming one person as the best. I will say that there's also evidence for this and, like, things like, so if you watch, like, in Scream 2 at the beginning of the movie, the the guy's talking about, like, uh, do we have to see another Sandra Bullock movie? And Sandra Bullock movie is, like, a stand-in for the word chick flick. And I've seen that <laughs> in other places, too, where instead of saying chick flick, somebody says Sandra Bullock movie. She's just become so associated with female genres, including the rom-com. Like yeah. movies that give women pleasure, like that we like to see. Right. So I think, yeah, like sort of the zeitgeist has sort of named her the ultimate rom-com heroine. But at the same time, like my favorite is When Harry Met Sally and that's got Meg Ryan in it. And Meg Ryan's also a top contender. Um, mm. Julia Roberts, yes, also a top contender. Jennifer Lopez, I would say, is a top contender. And then there's historically, you've got other people like Audrey Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn, I guess. Like people, I'm not a big Catherine Hepburn fan, but that's okay. But you know, there's other contenders historically too. But yeah. Could you take any of those other actresses and swap them into every single role of any Well, I mean, every single role. I don't know if you could put Sandra Bullock in I think you all can. the other ones. That's either. the thing. I think you can. That's the that's the that's the distinction for me. Is there like I've played this game before where I'm like, could I put Sandra Bullock in this movie in this spot? I'm like, yeah, in this rom com, it, it would probably be better with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I could put Sandra Bullock in this film and it would probably be better. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I dear listeners, start playing the game. Would Sandra Bullock be better as the star of that film as if it's a rom-com? Hmm. That is intriguing. 
I don't know. I think you need Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman. I'll say that. I mean, I, think, like, I think it's I can't hard not to else. have to see Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, but I think Sandra Bullock could play it. No problem. And I think you need Cher opposite Nicolas Cage in Moonstruck. There are some iconic roles. I think roles I think that, that role was out. made for Cher. That period. Yeah. I, I like. I, yeah. Yeah. But also like to play against. Could you playing against Nicolas Cage? I mean, that's you have to be a yeah. certain kind of person. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> like there's certain. So I guess I, I I guess I would say that there's certain iconic roles like where I could only see the person who plays it playing it. But I do. But I guess I agree that like in a standard issue rom com, something that's less like I could definitely see Sandra Bullock replacing most of the ones I just thought of in my head. Like I tried to put her in like the Wedding Planner. I tried to put her in When Harry Met Sally. I could see her in When Harry Met Sally. Um, yeah. I tried to put her in my best friend's wedding. I could see her in that. So yeah, I think you're right. She might be the ultimate. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. And because that's what finally made my decision. And I started playing this game like five years ago. And then it just, it has just continued. And when she did bird box, I was like, can she do something like bird box? And look, she did there. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good job, Sybil. You've convinced me of something very that's, easily. That's actually. magic. That's magical. Y'all. <laughs> All right, so no more disagreement then. We're we're good. We're Sandra Bullock is the ultimate rom com heroine, at least for the modern age. Because I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about. No, we don't know the future. We have no idea who the future is now. Well, the future, or in my case, I'm going to say that I don't know enough about classic film, like pre 1960s film, to like. That is true. I don't know either. Announcement that way. Anyway, okay. So now we're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds, who plays Andrew, um, the assistant character. Uh, his first IMDb credit was for a TV show called 15 in 1991. And his first feature was Ordinary Magic in 1993. Have not heard of either of them. But um, for he worked pretty steadily when he was younger. He worked primarily in TV at first. And he was on the show Two Guys, A Girl, and A Pizza Place from 1998 to 2001, which I vaguely remember existing. I, I don't think I, I ever watched it. I watched this show and I remember it very well. And it was not per se a good show, but it did not matter because, you know, it was, <laughs> the, it was the late 90s, early aughts. <laughs> so his breakout role was playing the title character Van Wilder in Van Wilder in 2002. Um, I don't, I think I saw that once. I don't remember it very well. I've never seen that. Not ever. Other roles before the proposal include the Amityville horror, which he was actually really good in waiting, um, just friends and definitely maybe I have seen all the movies on that list. Yeah. Like he's often to me, like he's a good part of a very mediocre movie. Is, is what I think about some of his early stuff. One Although, day, I'm going to see you, Ryan. I'm going to be like, so I hear that you're the good part of a very mediocre movie. And he'll be like, that's amazing. Thanks. That's the most amazing compliment ever. But actually, I, the Amityville Horror was pretty good as a horror film. I will say that. Yeah. So, but the, the other stuff, I'm just like, eh. Then 2009 was a really big year. In addition to the proposal, he also appeared in Adventureland, which I really like Adventureland and X-Men Origins Wolverine. After the proposal, he's best known for the Deadpool movies in 2016 and 2018, and there's another Deadpool movie announced. And other post-proposal projects included The Crudes and its sequel, The Hitman's Bodyguard and its sequel, and he played the voice of Detective Pikachu in Pokemon Detective Pikachu, apparently. And recently he appeared in the movie Free Guy, which I did watch, which was entertaining, I thought. 
And Channing Tatum shows up in that too. Yes. Speaking of, I don't know why we're speaking of him again, but there you go. And <laughs> he's currently in post-production on a movie called Spirited, where he will play Ebenezer Scrooge, and in pre-production on Imaginary Friends and Everyday Parenting Tips. The latter movie, I guess, is set in some kind of monster apocalypse or something, and it's a comedy. And in addition to Deadpool 3, he's also announced as it being attached to a remake of Clue, which I don't really know how I feel about a remake of Clue, but I guess Ryan Reynolds would be a good person to have on board for it. I mean, I'm on board for a remake of Clue. Like, it's it's old enough now that we can do it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. There's just some actors in there that I'm just like, eh, I don't know. They, to me, they feel kind of irreplaceable. And I'm not even super attached to Clue, but yeah. I'm not attached that's to all, Clue either. That's all right. But, I mean, the whole point of Clue as a board game is that you switch people all the time. So why the heck not? Hmm. Good point. <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, if, if we're going to make board games into movies, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, we're already going there. So let's just do it. Let's just try it. I want to see, I want to see a Monopoly where Jim Carrey plays the Monopoly top hat guy. I don't um, know why. I just I thought mean, of that. I'm down. I'm here for it. It can't be any worse than Legos. Emoji movies. <laughs> I just want it to be complete chaos and like Michelle Gondry will direct it or some shit. And it'll be like surreal. <laughs> All right. You heard it here. Jennifer just pitched this film. Let's, ha- let's, let's see if we can make it happen. Our- <laughs> Anne Fletcher is the director. And... I actually had no idea that it was a female director when I watched this millions and millions of times or that it was Anne Fletcher, which I actually like her stuff. So here's me not even paying attention. Her first IMDb credits are as a dancer, assistant choreographer and choreographer on films, including Boogie Nights, She's All That, Bring It On, The Wedding Planner, the TV show Firefly and The 40 Year Old Virgin. So some heavy hitters there. Her first yeah. directing credit was for Step Up in 2006. Fletcher has 14 total directing credits, including 27 dresses, Dumplin', Hot Pursuit, and episodes of This Is Us and Love, Victor. She currently is in post-production on Hocus Pocus 2 because, oh my God, who isn't right now? She acted in small <laughs> roles in a number of movies, including as a character named Jill in The Proposal. So you can see her there. And I could never, I could never figure out who Jill was. I thought she was like maybe the secretary for the guy who tells Margaret she's being deported, but I'm not sure. She oh, has blonde hair anyway, oh, maybe, long I blonde hair. I did. I looked because after I saw this, I looked like three times in the film to see if I could find her. And I'm like, does anybody yeah. even say that she's Jill? Is she punking all of us? Because that would be amazing if she's just punking all of us. I intended to watch it again to look for Jill, but I just ran out of time. So sorry. Fletcher told <laughs> IndieWire in 2018, I'm a sucker for romantic comedy. I think a lot of women just love love and we want to be swept off our feet. But at the end of the day, the movies I've done and the movies that I gravitate to, it's like these women don't need a man to complete them. It's just a nice addition to their life and somebody who respects them and loves them for who they are and all their flaws. So- yeah. That's, I mean, I think that that has a lot to do with like the proposal. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So we're not going to be able to tell like a lot about Betty White. Like we're covering a lot of people for this, but Betty White is in the movie and she plays Grandma Annie. And I just want to give a like a sort of little overview of her life at any rate. She was born in 1922. She died December 31st, 2021, less than a month from her 100th birthday. I'm sure a lot of people listening remember that happening. Mm. Everyone was like very sad about it. She had a seven decade career in Hollywood. Most of her work was in TV. 
So she's best known for playing Rose on The Golden Girls and Sue Ann Nivens on The Mary Tyler Moore Show. She won eight Emmys in her career. And she was also one of the first female TV producers. She started with a show called Life with Elizabeth. She also hosted and created several shows called The Betty White Show. It seems like some of them were like variety shows. Some of them were more sitcoms. Um, I haven't seen any. Have you seen any of her various TV shows? I have not, no. She's also done movie work. So in addition to the proposal, she did movies like Lake Placid, Bringing Down the House, and You Again. And in 2010, the year after the proposal, Betty White became the oldest person to host Saturday Night Live and won an Emmy for her guest star work. And I guess I'd asked her to do the show previously, but she had refused. But then there was like this big Facebook campaign to get her to be on the show. And so she agreed to it finally. So that's pretty cool. And I I will link to an article where it has videos of all her different SNL get skit appearances. They're pretty funny. I watched all of them. So (laughs) yeah, they're, they're worth checking out. And Betty White is also known for her work with animals. The president and CEO of the ASPCA, Matt Bershiger, was quoted on Today.com saying, In addition to her legendary status as an actress, comedian, and producer, Betty White has demonstrated a lifelong commitment to helping animals in need, including dedicated support for local shelters and animal welfare endeavors, fiercely promoting and protecting animal interests in her entertainment projects, and personally adopting many rescued animals. I guess she also had some work to do with a Los Angeles Zoo as well. And yeah, it just seems like an overall, you know, very respected in that field. And apparently the entire crew was very emotional and like cried when Betty White finished filming. And Betty White in turn said that it was like the most fun she'd ever had on a film set. So <laughs> it seems like it was a good experience all around. She's supposed to have been a character. So, I mean, and she looked like she had a, such a, a, like a fun role. And she just like, like, you know, let loose on that set of proposal. Yeah. Like, come on now. It was such a strange, once again, a very strange role. Okay. So uh, other additional actors in the movie um, include Mary Steenburgen and Craig T. Nelson playing Andrew's parents, Malin Ackerman playing Andrew's ex-girlfriend, Oscar Nunez playing sort of a local Alaskan jack of all <laughs> trades, and Dennis O'Hare, who plays an immigration agent. And yeah, time to get into the movie. Yeah. The opening of the movie pretty efficiently introduces the characters in the situation using a lot of like, you know, tropes, the way tropes are intended to be used, I guess, right? So you right away get what's going on. You have Sandra Bullock playing Margaret as this like type A person who's like bicycling in the morning with her like manuscript on the exercise bike. And, you know, it's just showing that she's always busy, always working. And then you have Ryan Reynolds, as Andrew, um, he's doing his morning routine, which involves getting coffee, getting two coffees oh, yeah. um, f- for his boss in case he spills one. And of course, he does end up spilling one of the coffees. Like it's very tropey. Like the exercising while working is a trope. The spilling the coffee for your boss is a trope. And then we've got um, Margaret entering the office with like pretty much crib directly from Devil Was Wears Prada, like which came out earlier in like 2006. Like everybody in the office warning each other that she's on her way and like everyone's demeanor changing, but you know, it, the movie does then settle you. Right. So, you know, what's, what's going on. Well, and one of the pieces I thought was really well done, you know, I appreciate good like writing style. And one of the things, pieces that was done really well is you set up both of their characters and their dynamics so well, when after he spills the coffee, he gives her his coffee, which is still her coffee. 
<laughs> yeah. Like he literally drinks her her coffee in case there's a problem. So he doesn't even get to enjoy yeah, his is- own flavor of coffee. He's just been living with hers. Which her coffee is like a cinnamon soy latte. Yeah, it's something really like, freaking disgusting. It's like extra sweet, vile, wh- whatever. And he also like bribes some other guy to get a shirt because he spilled coffee on his shirt. So he takes the shirt off another worker's back, right. basically. Yeah, so, so it, yeah. it really sets up their like their relationship and like who like how she is to him, how he how he takes care of her, and how like maybe he's not afraid of her, but he's afraid of like displeasing her because he doesn't want to deal with any of that. Yeah. And um, one of the first things we see Margaret do in the movie then also is she fires a guy named Bob because he has failed to convince an author to go on Oprah. And then she succeeded at at getting the same author to go on Oprah. And she's like, what do I need you around here for, basically? Yeah. So once again, we're setting up. I really appreciate like, well, like just very quick set, you know, beats of setting up people. And you're like, oh, I know everybody who's everybody now. Yep. (laughs) And... The problem of the movie is also established very quickly. Um, Margaret is called into a meeting and she finds out that she's forgotten to file some paperwork for her immigration and she is being deported. And and this is also important because the way she handles that is she's just like, well, of course I didn't file it because like, I don't need to. I'm like so important. I had no time for that crap. I was busy working. I had no time for that. Yeah. And then she's also like, she's Canadian, which like, it's very odd that I saw so few comments online about this movie being problematic because there's se- several sections where it kind of is right. Like, like this character would be called a Karen yes. like today, yes. you know, like she's, she's exemplifying kind of like white privilege here because like, she's like, well, I'm white. I'm from Canada. Like I'm not really foreign quote unquote, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like, why should I be deported? Yeah. And so it really like it helps to establish her as kind of a jerk, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. it's 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 very interesting though that this character like sort of remains unremarked upon by like a lot of like you you'll see endless articles about some problems in other films and not about this one. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is very interesting about this movie, and one of the reasons I really like it, is that it usually in a rom com their roles would be re- reversed. So. It would be a man in this role who's like this high powered guy who's kind of an asshole who has, you know, who has an immigration problem and it's his secretary, right? His assistant or whatever, who's the person who's being forced into, you know, this role of subservient person who changes her life around him and is the person who Mm -hmm. winds up having to have the marriage of convenience or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that... Sandra Bullock pulls this off as like this high powered pressured woman and is still like somewhat likable is so is like this very delicate balance and that Ryan Reynolds can pull off the fact that he's not a pushover and still very like dreamy is also like a delicate balance. You need someone like Ryan Reynolds in the role. Yeah. Like I think like there's a number of women who could do the role, but like, I think for men, like there's, I think there's a lot of men that like just don't have like a comfort Mm -hmm. in themselves and a confidence in themselves like that would radiate yes you know despite being in a put-upon role yeah that can and just like the wry humor right that can be like i'm subservient but at the same time i'm still masculine enough that i'm okay yeah or just confident i guess masculine like to be considered masculine you have to have a certain confidence in a way i guess like but he also doesn't come off as like like some kind of like he-man like you know brute either you know what i mean like when he like turns the tables on her in alaska it doesn't seem like he's like a sexist evil guy right you know what i mean right 
Like he, yeah. Anyway, it's always, it's an inter- it's a very interesting balance in the entire movie. Yeah. Okay, so Margaret finds out that no, she's really going to have to like you know deal with this problem though, and that's where she calls Andrew into the room and tells her bosses that they are in fact getting married. And this is all a surprise to Andrew, but he has learned to just go with things because, you know, he has to please Margaret in order to keep his job, basically. And so he just sort of goes with the fact that they're getting married and he's just in a complete daze. I've always like I've watched this a few times and I'm always like, is he in a daze? Does he just go with it? I think at this point he's already thinking to himself, how can I utilize this? To my benefit. Oh. I really do think that because what we learn about him later is that wait, we're we're in a spoiler free spoiler free zone, so never mind. So the next step we see they are at the immigration office. And here's another like Karen moment. Like this is the worst that Sandra Bullock yes. comes off in the whole movie to me, is like <laughs> this. There's this whole office full with mostly people of color, like from, you know, Asian countries for the most part, I think is what I saw in the office. And she pushes ahead of all these people and just goes to the front of the line. First of all, that wouldn't work. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. Like she didn't bribe anybody. I don't care how rich you are. Um, the the guy working at the immigration desk isn't going to just wave you back to the back office. My, in my no, opinion. I, I, I watched that maybe and I was like, maybe, um, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would have, they would have been like, ma'am, I'm sorry. You can go back to the end of the line. There's people in front of you. Yeah, actually, it would have been a good beat, too, if he just, like, centered the back of the line and then she just sat there looking dopey. And then later, just centered, you know, he was like, we'll absolutely just help cut- you and we'll put you in a room and we'll leave you there for five, six hours. Yeah, just, like, do something that, like, demoralizes her exactly. right away it would have been funny, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you just, this is, you don't mess with immigration, though. Like, you just don't. And so they go into the, but they improbably managed to go into the office with the um, Dennis O'Hare playing the immigration agent. And... While they're there, like he's right away, like very, you know, suspicious of their like sudden romance and sudden wet and sudden wedding. Cause obviously she's already on their radar. She's already, they're already in process of getting her out of the country. Which also seemed kind of suspicious to me. Cause I'm like, who, what immigration is like this on top of crap? Yeah, right. right? I was just like, I was like, so <laughs> wait, you're, this is how on top of crap you are? You're like, oh, we're, we're already like in the process of getting this Canadian lady out. That's what's happening. I'm like, really? Okay. I mean, yeah, they, they, could, they could be on top of things to a certain extent. And they could certainly look her up in the computer and stuff like that and find out information about her. But this guy is portrayed as being like, like he's like personally overseeing her case or something. Right. Like, like he was like, he's like, I'm gunning for you. I'm gunning to get you out. And you're like, okay, okay, sir. All right. As if she's a criminal of some sort that is beyond the regular criminals. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And it's, the whole thing is like set up in a ridiculously improbable thing. It's true. Um, and then like, and then like she wants to leave the office and she's like, don't you have like landscapers and busboys to deal with out there or something? I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, you you definitely, it's definitely them. cringy. You're like, oh, oh, no. Before they leave the office, Andrew comes up with the idea that he's being promoted. Like, and he tells the immigration office, yeah, like um, we were just waiting to announce my promotion and and she's like, my, your promotion? He's like, yes, my promotion to editor. And so he comes up with this idea to convince the immigration agent, but he's at the same time solidified his end of the deal. Which is once again, another reason why I think that he had, he was already like forming this plan. Like, I don't think it was like magically just thought it up there. I think he was like, I was pre-forming this a little bit, but now was a great time to start putting this plan into action. Yeah. Outside the office then, Andrew like is just, 
like says he's not going to go along with it at first. He's been threatened with jail and a huge fine by this immigration agent. And he needs this promotion to be fact. And he drives a bargain with um, Margaret, which includes getting her to kneel down on the ground on New York City streets and propose to him. Yes. In, in a very, very tight skirt, a super tight skirt. And giant and heels. Giant heels yeah. too. So what I, one of the things I like about this section, too, is it's a mutual trapping, essentially. So it's, you know, they're kind of mutually trapping each other, unlike kind of other, you know, marriage of convenience or, you know, green card kind of situations. He's essentially holding her hostage with this. And he's like, it's not that like, oh, I just need money or something. He's like, no, no, I'm going to get you in trouble if you don't do this for me. He's he's gaining power in the relationship. So this has become a power struggle as well as mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a power play, not just like, oh, we're going to like fall in love or, oh, you know, it's, you know, for money or something. So if you think of mo most of these like rom-coms where it's, you know, these marriages of convenience or it's a marriage because, you know, you need a green card or something, it's usually one person is doing it for the other person. This is because of power as well. Like I'm going to gain power over that person who's asking me to do this thing mm. for them, which I, there, it doesn't happen very much in my opinion in rom-coms. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also like, I forgot to mention um, one of the other reasons Andrew agrees with this is not just for the promotion, but she's been told that they're going to put the guy she just fired in charge of the office if she's deported. And she says, the first thing Bob is going to do, the guy she just fired, he's going to fire you, Andrew. So he's Ryan Reynolds character is not only looking at like, like not getting a promotion, but also maybe losing his job if she gets to. Yeah. So there's also that going on. So um, I just need to say, like, just in case anybody is under the impression that this movie is at all realistic, this would not work. <laughs> like I just right away, like I did research on getting a green card through marriage. And while most of these um, petitions actually are approved eventually, in this situation, they would have a difficult or impossible time, you know, getting this marriage approved. Because in addition to answering a certain number of questions correctly in an interview, according to boundless.com, you and your spouse must provide evidence of your relationship in your life together, such as financial documents, photos from trips together, and birth certificates of your children, if you have any. And it also says at boundless.com, if you are currently in removal proceedings, you are ineligible to apply for a green card from within the United States. And as far as I can tell from this movie, she is currently in removal. Oh, yes, yeah, she is. Oh, yeah, she is. So like, don't try this at home, folks. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely do not try to outwit the green card people at home because of a rom-com. Yeah, like just... I'm just saying, like, if you're going to actually, if you actually want to, like, you know, this is not how immigration works. You got to plan this shit in advance. Oh you know God, what I mean? This is hysterical. I can't wait to put that on a t-shirt. So on the plane to Alaska, they get on the plane to Alaska and they're going over some of the questions. Andrew's going over the questions with her and he says, I know all these answers about you. Now you have to memorize all this information about me. And he knows all these answers because he's her assistant. But I, I, I looked up what some of the questions are. Like, for example, what's your partner's favorite color? How did you meet? Who usually makes meals? What did you do on your first dates? I went over some of these questions with Lee. I just wanted to see how we would do. <laughs> how did he do? How did he do? I mean, he did pretty well. He did pretty well. He did not know my favorite color, though. And I'm pretty sure I've told him before. So he like guessed like several wrong colors. Wait, wait, I'm going to try. Is like, it, he gave up. Is it blue? Yeah. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's been a while, but I'm like, I think it's blue. <laughs> Tell Lee that I totally That's smacked funny. him down on that. All right. 
Except I'm not sure about your favorite color. I'm going to guess purple, but I think I'm wrong. ready. So I'm going to be honest with you. It's I've always told people it's purple, but it's really pink. But I feel very like unfeminist about that. Yeah, that's fine. You can have whatever favorite color you want. But you have told people it's purple. So I did technically. That's guess, correct. Right? That's why I said that's correct. It, it, it is purple, Amazing. but it's really Amazing. but everyone. It's really pink. Very good. <laughs> and I'm also glad that Lee did pretty good on the questions. <laughs> no, like there was like. I mean, like, he doesn't have a great memory, to be honest, to be, about, like, things in general. So, yeah. But like, he did he did fine. He did fine. Like, and there's obviously some stuff that's easy for him to know because a lot of it's about stuff where you're cohabiting with somebody. Like, what side of the bed do you sleep on? And, like, who makes food usually? And, like, stuff like that, right? Like, Uber but Eats. Obviously, like, Uber Eats makes our food. Um, I mean, we don't even sleep together because they snore. Um <laughs> relationships are so different these days these questions would be really hard to answer for lots of people i mean they're they're all right for me i could do most of them but yeah yeah like but she clearly margaret had, is not gonna be able to answer this because they have like a fake yeah they don't, have, they don't have a relationship yeah so the section where they're traveling and arriving to alaska is filled with more tropes because we have the fish out of water trope for margaret she doesn't even realize that she needs a connecting flight to get to Sitka for one thing. Like I would think that a woman of the world such as her would know that, but like, you know, I don't know. There might be, I actually think Alaska airlines go straight to Sitka now. So maybe back then you, they didn't, but now they do. So who knows? Well, she's surprised when she has to transfer flights is what I'm yeah. saying. I'm just like, well, you know, she's like, really? she's like, I don't travel anywhere. That's not a major city. What? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. 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 So, and they also, though, they do the fish out of water thing where she is utterly unprepared to dress for a non-city environment. And so she just wears her same, like, heels and suit and all that kind of crap. It's like, are they ever going to make a rom-com where, like, a high-powered business executive woman knows that she has to wear practical shoes? No. Are they? No, because women don't know how to wear shoes. We don't understand how to dress when we're places. We only have to have our heels. <laughs> if we ever learned anything from Carrie Bradshaw, it's that heels are the most important thing everywhere we go. No, no, I, I understand. But that is what that's what I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't know how to dress. She's she doesn't know how to, you know, climb ladders or carry her bags or all kinds of other things. And we now meet Andrew's family. And everyone we, we, we see Mary Steenburgen, Betty White, Craig T. Nelson are his family play his family. And they're also happy to see him except the father and him. They have kind of an antagonistic relationship. Did you find this relationship like I guess it's like it added something to the movie and that it kind of motivates some of Andrew's behavior like he's almost drawn to like embrace this fake fiance thing just to spite his dad. Well, maybe? I think that but there's like there's a, a few different levels of the reason why Andrew like I think once you get to Alaska, there's a few different reasons that, you know, Andrew wants to do this. And I felt that the the dad added to it yes i felt that the dad kind of added to it because he's like because fathers and sons once again you like you want to show your dad that you're successful you want to show your dad that you that you don't want to like have to walk the path he wants you to walk but you're your own independent person you you can make your way without them so if you watch this a few times or whatever there's lots of room for more backstory but this is a you know yeah. this is an early aughts film and it was like in what ninety minutes or something so they they're jamming in what they can. Just to be clear, just to clarify, the reason the father's like antagonistic is like he thinks that Andrew should have stayed back home and run whatever amorphous family business empire he has going because his family is kind of rich. Yeah, they're kind of important in that town. Yeah, they're 
Huge house. Huge. They own all the stuff in town. And this is one of the things. So he is he is from a like a rich family, guys. He's from a rich family. He grew up like pretty much having everything. And he's trying to get away from all that. But having all yeah. having all like kind of everything handed to him has not helped hand him like his manuscript being published, getting ahead in the publishing world. And I think that that yeah. for him, when he like looked at the, this possibility with, you know, this fake marriage, he's like, Hmm, well, this will get this job done for me. Let's do this thing. And we see a huge party's being held at Andrew's house, probably everyone from town. And we also meet Andrew's ex-girlfriend, Gertrude played by Malin Ackerman, who is like really beautiful and sweet. And like, you know, She's, she plays like kind of this like ideal ex like in the, and later you find out like they didn't really break up because they didn't love each other. It was more like she didn't want to go to New York. So, well, and I think that their relationship is super interesting because when you break up because you're it's not because you're not in love, but because you're growing in different directions. Uh, there's so yeah. it's such an interesting story. Once again, interesting story between characters. These characters are really layered. Hmm. So we now get into the fake dating trope, which um, we like, we haven't covered a movie with a fake dating trope that I recall yet on the podcast. We single all the way starts like with mm-hmm. a fake dating trope, but then abandons it like right away. <laughs> so like, can you remember anything else we've covered that has a fake dating um, trope? Not yet. I mean, we've talked about a few, but like, we just haven't covered them yet. I mean, I like the fake dating trope. I like reading it in fanfic, um, which is probably where I've encountered most of it. You read ro- romance novels. Yep. Like, do you like the ones with with the fake dating trope or forced together? Yeah, yeah. So like thing? forced together marriage, also marriage of convenience. So marriage of convenience, um, f- you know, forced to date, whatever. I, I do. I do appreciate those. Yeah, yeah. So this is our first entree into the genre, into the trope of fake dating trope. Yeah. So. It works. It works. It's, it's kind of hits all the notes, really. It does. Um, and the first note we hit, well, they, when they get into Alaska, he's already introduced her as his girlfriend. But then his dad kind of like corners him and is talking smack about, you know, showing up with his boss and sleeping with his boss. <laughs> and then that's when Andrew's like, well, she's my fiance. Totally. And da, da, da. That whole scene, and by like, the way, the, is it, a it, very strange scene. And I can understand why you're like, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like the dad at all because that whole scene is weird too. Like he's just so like aggressive. You're just like, but it. I look at that now and I'll just be like, well, this is why he can tolerate Margaret because look at his dad. Oh, interesting. See, once again, if you watch this enough, yeah. you'll be like, well, that's why. Cause his dad is so like, I mean, his dad is a very not like hostile seeming, not very nice seeming guy. Yeah. Domineering, hard to please, yep. like not satisfied. Yeah, there you go. That's that's good. That's good. So then, like everybody wants to hear, like, oh, you guys are engaged. Like, how did you propose? So we have a clip of um, a proposal story that they're kind of making up off the cuff, and both of them are trying to like get control of this story to make themselves look better. So let's listen to a little bit about the proposal story. Did I miss the story? What's what story? the story? About how you proposed. I actually would love to hear this story, Andrew. Would you tell us? Margaret loves telling the story, so I'm just going to let her go ahead and do that. Okay, well, um, Andrew and I were about to celebrate our first 
anniversary together. And I knew that he'd been itching to ask me to marry him, and he was scared, like a little tiny bird. So I started leaving him little hints here and there because I knew he wouldn't have the guts to ask. But yeah, I, that's not exactly how it happened. No? No. Hmm. No. I mean, I, I picked up on all her little hints. Yeah, this woman's about as subtle as a gun. <laughs> yeah. Now, what I was worried about was that she might find this little box. Oh, I... the decoupage box that he made, where he, he'd taken the time to cut out tiny little pictures of himself. Yes, just paste it all over the box. Oh, so beautiful. So I opened that beautiful little decoupage, and out fluttered these tiny little hand-cut heart confettis. And once they cleared, I looked down, and I saw the most beautiful, big, fat nothing. No ring. No ring? What? No. But inside that box, underneath all that crap, there was a little handwritten note mm. with the address to a hotel, date, and time. Real Humphrey Bogart type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Masculine. Mm. Anyway, naturally, Margaret. She I thought, thought he was that... seeing someone else. Yeah. It was a terrible time for me, but. I went to that hotel anyway. I went there and I pounded on the door, but the door was already unlocked. And as I swung open that door, there he was. Standing. Kneeling. Like a man. On a bed of rose petals in a tuxedo. Your son. Your son. And he was choking back soft, soft sobs. And when he held back the tears and finally caught his breath, he said to me, Margaret, will you marry me? And she said, yep, in the end. I was hungry. So I always wonder if that scene was written or if they did like a few where they actually just like riffed. I know there was some improv in this movie, but I don't know if this was an instance. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it does. It, there's like, a part of it that feels very riffed about it. Just <laughs> what is interesting to me is like how much of this movie like plays with a sort of like anxiety of not being viewed as masculine, whether it's like him being the assistant to a powerful woman and his dad disapproving of that or like this whole story is just like she, everything she's trying to do is to make him seem like less like what our culture would consider manly, you know, yes. like choking back the tears and the decoupage box and the little things that he cut out. Like it's so like, like there's aspects of the movie that I find feminist, but like in a way like this, like using feminine qualities to like demean him does not feel feminist to me. So it's a weird mix. Right. Well, and if you look at all that now, like all of the things that she said about like how he did a proposal in this day and age, people be like, that's amazing. And, and it, because men do not have to be as masculine as that anymore. Like that he would cut up little hearts and do like a decoupage box. They'd be like, they'd be like, that's amazing. And, and he'd be like, I'm very masculine. I can, I can embrace my, my art, my art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's very, it's just very interesting. It shows the time, but that's why I said it takes a sp- certain person like Ryan Reynolds to like, you know, appear like to to be able to be like not masculine and i did use the word masculine in the beginning because i do feel that there's so much of this is about like the like gender and masculinity because his his dad especially is just like you're not a masculine man you work for a chick you know you you know you work in you work in publishing that's not very masculine it's books which by the way when are books not masculine but okay yeah, especially considering the history of like literature and how <laughs> in the past it's been hard for women to get published at all. So yeah, I know. I was just like, I was like, what? Okay, but yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good point, uh, and and it sh- it shows up very much here, which is why I was like, I wonder if this was very riffy. 
Yeah. Like, I don't have anything like this kind of proposal story either. It's so funny to me when people are like, oh, what's a proposal story? Because like, both of my like, I've been married twice. And both of my proposal stories were very like, not elaborate. (laughs) like like there's maybe like a little tiny speech or note and like delivered like in some kind of mundane place and I already pretty much knew it was coming the second time so it's like not like this big thing Mm -hmm. I don't know do you think proposal stories are particularly common or I mean I think they've become more and more in a world where you have to do promposals and stuff like that I think like the proposal has become like (laughs) a huge deal in our in our society uh where you know we we put everything like weddings and proposals and everything on this like pedestal, but yeah, it, it's not something I relate to. I don't, I don't yeah. either. But once again, we're, we're Gen Xers. And so that's, this, this is a world we don't understand. Yeah. I don't even know if it's like, is it generational? It is. is it class? Is like what social class you're in? No, I, like, cause like I can't afford that kind of wedding either. So it's I like, don't even know I if mean, it's the, like everything was scaled back. I don't even know if it's the affording of the wedding. I think it's also just a matter of, cause I mean, I know somebody who it, they didn't have a giant wedding or anything, but the proposal was still like, you know, we went to the, it was at the beach and it was a surprise and all my friends and family were there. And like, we had a videographer, um, my friend was like a videographer on their phone. So like they got the video of it so we could put it up on social. Like this is how it is because also everything's being watched and viewed now. Yeah. 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 That aspect probably is generational yeah. for sure. And so, yeah, you know, like- you have to have like, you know, if you didn't see it, it didn't actually happen and it has to happen perfectly. My PSA is the quality of the proposal does not have much to do with the quality of the eventual relationship. So (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think there's probably a very direct correlation. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. And to me, it feels like an awful lot of pressure to put on people. Like, I I don't know, like to have to like have this big story or have it be like the best thing ever. Promposals. I don't even know, man. I'm just like, (laughs) whoa. I mean, I can enjoy, like I can enjoy watching them in in film and reading them in books and everything, but know that in, in reality that, that once again, fiction is fiction and that's why. Yeah. So after this proposal story, they are also forced to kiss like the classic people clinking things together and being like, kiss, kiss. I thought, they were telling, they said in the commentary that they didn't want this forced kiss to be like too sexy or give away too much. I would have liked a little more, to be honest. Like, I think they could have pushed it a little farther. You wish that it went like they, they like got into it a little bit more than they, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe even Betty White could have been pushing them together a little more because <laughs> um, she does hug okay. them after they kiss or something. Okay. I mean, I, I like the fact that like, like I felt that there was, they were, there was some unexpected, like they, cause remember they don't even, they've never thought of each other in this way and they actually don't even yeah. like each other like at all. Yeah. So yeah. I like the fact that the first kiss when is like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to kiss my brother. You know, that kind of like, that's <laughs> the look that they give each other. Like, I can't believe I have to kiss my brother. And then they're yeah. like, actually, huh. And then like all of a sudden it's like, they realize, Ooh, I'm kissing my brother and people are watching. And so I was okay. Yeah, with so it, it works for you. Okay, but I, I get, I, I get maybe like, like people wanting more passion from it. I get it. Yeah, I could have been like, I could have been good with like it gets really hot and then it gets cold again, and then it gets hot and then it's cold. I like that more a little bit. Mm-hmm. That kind of, instead of like the very slow build, I kind of like it when it's like back and forth a little bit. But yeah, it's just a preference. It is a preference. It is no a preference. Deal. And then like the final like seal of the take dating trope, they are then forced to share a room. 
And um, there's a blanket in the room that Betty White's character calls the baby maker, which Sandra Bullock spends the rest of the movie shooing away from her. This is the, okay, so all the parts of the movie, this section is the weirdest section to me. Like that they have like a blanket called the baby maker that they, they want to put them in a room together and be like, here, use this baby maker. (laughs) This is just the weirdest part. I was like, would a family actually be like, I can't wait for you guys to get it on and make babies. You're not even married yet, but do it. I guess because, like, he's her only grandson, it's established. And so, like, he's her only chance to get, like, a great-grandchild, maybe. I, so, like, on that level, if you're, like, a really liberal family, I could understand it. Okay. I don't know. It was just, like, always really weird and, to oh, me. I was just oh, like, whoa. Oh, and later, oh, and later, Grandma Annie says that she was pregnant when she was in the wedding dress. That's too. right. That's right. Remember? I, I remember? I remember that. So yeah. she doesn't have anything against, she has nothing against being pregnant when you're married. Well, so. it wasn't that being pregnant when, when you're, you're married, married. just like that they're like no but let's go let's just go do it like have lots of sex like go and do it and do it all the time because we just want babies like you're gonna get together and just it's all gonna be babies all the time yeah apparently (laughs) (laughs) so they're gonna share this room with this this blanket we'll talk more about that later we now need to talk about a rom-com dog yes kevin the dog yes it's this like little white yippee kind of guy which according to people magazine is a white american eskimo dog um kevin the dog was played by four dogs flurry sitka nanu and winter and apparently flurry was a favorite with the cast and crew and bonded with sandra bullock but um yeah there's this little dog and we're told that like should be careful not to let kevin out because an eagle could take him away and so, of course, we have to have one of these, like, madcap scenes where Sandra Bullock gets up in the morning or, start, I don't know, Sandra Bullock gets a cell phone call in the middle of the night where it's still light out. She goes outside and Kevin follows her. She doesn't notice. And we see an eagle swoop down, grab Kevin. <laughs> so, surprisingly, Margaret actually does try to rescue Kevin by throwing her phone at the at the eagle. And the eagle drops Kevin. She catches Kevin. And then the eagle takes her phone. So <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those Rick random madcap scenes that you see in some of these movies. Does it work for you? Um, I mean, I've always found the scene to be completely weird, but I'm just like, whatever I'm in it. I'm here for it because I mean, <laughs> she sells it. She sells it so well. And like that everybody like kind of watches. So the other thing that's happening is other people are watching as she's like running around and they think that yeah. she's just playing with a dog. They don't have any idea what's going on. Oh Yeah. Oh, I forgot to add in the last part. Yeah, when she's running around with the dog then, what she's doing is he, the eagle is taking her phone and now she's like changed her mind. She's like, no, take the yeah, dog. Give me my phone she's back. She's trying to trade she's, now the eagle. <laughs> the eagle. She's like, take the dog. <laughs> give me my phone. Never mind. So I, I, I'm kind of in it. I'm like, I'm in it with this scene. But I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Like nobody's going to do this. But at the same time, it's a movie and I'm, I'm there for it. I'm just surprised that Margaret was like trying to rescue Kevin in the first place because she didn't seem to like Kevin. And but like, remember, so what's happening? This is a scene where you're showing that she is beginning to change. Mm. This is this is mm. this is you know she she's being redeemed. So this is the this is uh, this is her arc, and her arc is for a minute there she was worried about a dog and not her phone. Yep, yeah, and then she changed her mind. Yeah, yeah. but then she was like, never mind. I really <laughs> and- need that phone. Forget it. So according to an article, which I'll put in the show notes, 
Um, the Alaska Department of Fishing oh, yeah, game says that an eagle absolutely an eagle could potentially pick up a six to eight pound dog absolutely if it were already flying at high speed. So not if it was coming from like just a perch, but if it was flying already at a high speed, it could pick up a dog. I mean, it's happened in California and Las Vegas here all the time. People lose their chihuahuas and stuff to um, owls and and hawks all the time. And the eagles are way bigger. Wow. For curious people, the dog and eagle scene was done using green screen, but there were actually dogs and eagles on the set. They just weren't together at the same time. And a prop dog was used in any situation where the dog would have been in danger otherwise so if you look really closely when she's catching kevin you can see a moment where it switches from the prop dog to kevin because betty white was on the scene don't worry about it no animals were hurt (laughs) for sure not even not even like by mistake that's right that's right (laughs) okay so after do you want to say more about the kevin no i'm really excited to talk about this next section because i like what you have down okay why don't you okay why don't you introduce okay so the next section is what i consider to be the strangest part of this movie it is the male stripper scene and jennifer has a note that she's i can't even deal with this scene (laughs) that's the note that she has written down okay which i'll be honest with you I would be fine if this section was cut from this movie. I generally just skip through it because it's like, what is the scene about? Okay, so Ramon is the guy about town who has like all these different jobs. And this is when you first kind of meet him in his stripper role. And everybody's really, the women in the town are super excited because they're going down to the, they're going down to the, to like the bar, the local bar strip joint. And they're going to go see, you know, um, the stripper in action, Ramon, Who's played by Oscar Nunez, who's also Oscar from The right. Office. And that was already a really popular show at the time. And I love that actor in The Office. I'll just put that there. In you there. go. Anyway. And this is something that you think that maybe it's just done because they want to have a stripper for like, you know, the bride or something. Because they make it this big deal. They're like, oh, come with us, Margaret. We're, we have a surprise yeah. for you because, you know, it's your, it's your wedding, etc. But no, he's there all the time. He, this is his regular thing. He does it like Tuesdays and Thursdays or something. And it's <laughs> it's horrible. It is the worst horrible stripping you've ever seen it is appalling and his outfit's appalling and it makes you want to die and i'm pretty sure even if you were in alaska you wouldn't want to watch this there's way too much body hair (laughs) near the groin on display um it is like very awkward and like his lascivious faces are just like too much i don't even mind that he's like you know out of shape a little bit because like the full monty like that's fine all the other stuff around it it's so uncomfortable and awkward and just the way she reacts, the way Margaret reacts to this, like she's been forced to go up on stage, the way she reacts to his dancing, where she's kind of like pushing her hands at him away to get him away or whatever, exactly what I'd be doing. Actually, I wouldn't have gotten on the stage. They wouldn't have gotten me up there. I'm sorry. It's not happening. Right? I'm like, at the best of times, I'm not really interested in male stripper. I think the only time I've ever thought that maybe I could watch one is when I saw Magic Mike, when I saw Channing Tatum, and then I'm like, okay. Channing Tatum, maybe. All right. Okay. But like, I'm just the whole genre doesn't interest me. But then when you put somebody who's like kind of being creepy in that role, yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah, no. And no. And I think it's supposed to be really funny. Like Betty White, White says like, smack his ass. But like, it's not. It's so uncomfortable and awkward. It is a yeah. scene that could easily yeah. be stripped from this movie and the movie probably would be better. <laughs> pun intended or not? Yes, yeah. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sorry, Oscar Nunez. I really love your comic acting. I think you did the best with this role that you could, but like it just really was uncomfortable for me. Yeah, and, it, and continues. It to be. does, and I don't even when I watched this. I remember watching this at the time that it came out. So it's not even that it's aged poorly. Even when it came out, I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I remember sitting there and being like, "What is happening right now?" And I think it was supposed to set up the idea that like Alaska is this middle of nowhere place, and they're all a bunch of podunks. But like we've already set up the idea, like look at their house; they're not a bunch of podunks. Yeah. And then the one funny thing that does come out of this is like later Sandra Bullock and um, uh, Melon Ackerman they're she, they're having a conversation about when she dated Andrew, and like you get to know a little bit more about Andrew's past relationship with Gertrude and everything. But then if you look in the background, the doors being opened, and you see Betty White and um, Ramon dancing together, and that was kind of yeah. funny. That background action, like her enthusiasm for Ramon, is much funnier than like Sandra Bullock's uncomfortability with yeah. him. So. Like, if you wanted to do something with this scene, it would have been more interesting if it would have been like, we all come down to support Ramon. You know, he's a he was a stripper for years and like, we just like to support him. That would have made hmm. this much more in- like interesting to me that like the town bonds together because this is something Ramon still wants to do. Yeah. And I'd be like, OK, and you're just, just like, go with it. Just go with it. You know, and like we love we love him because like he's part of our family. He's part of the town's family. Hmm. Like hmm. I would have been on board for that. That's how you could like save that section. But like, why even have it? It's super weird. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of madcap wacky things. There's Ramon. There's Kevin. There's like like there's there's a thread of the ex girlfriend. The thread of the dad. There's like so many different ways you could have gone if you'd cut one of them or the other. Yeah, you would still be fine. But yeah, indeed. All right, so now we get to the the naked scene. Yes. Um, yeah, Margaret ta- has taken a shower and she needs a towel and she thinks she's alone in the house, but she's not sure. Um, the towels are not kept in the bathroom because reasons. Because because and, no one understands um, these reasons. They're so far away. I'm like, they're not in the, t- they're not. So I can understand towels not being in the bathroom. It happens, right? right? But they're usually like much closer and you don't have to leave yeah. so far away. And then the other inexplicable thing is that Andrew's come in from like chopping like wood or something. And he like, instead of getting undressed, he's wearing earphones, so he can't hear anything, I guess. And then, but instead of like him, like taking off his clothes in the house, he takes off his clothes on a balcony. And so he's walking in from the balcony into the room. He's not aware that Margaret is like walking out to get this towel or something. And they somehow Oh, because of antics with Kevin, also the dog, mm-hmm. they somehow smash into each other, like full on chest to chest naked yeah. and fall on the ground. Yeah. And I kind of like it, even though the way they designed this to happen is completely improbable. I mean, it was kind of hot in a way and kind of it. funny at the same time, because the way they react to each other is just so hysterical. Yes. <laughs> um, so I am. This is one of my absolute favorite scenes. I am here for the scene. I also think it is one of my favorite rom-com scenes like ever made like oh yeah like it's well choreographed i think that they're incredibly hot together like i'm just like wow that's a lot of naked flesh like think about like when you see in a rom-com that much naked flesh pounding into each other yeah but you can get away with it because it's it's supposed to be funny sexual situation they're both incredibly attractive people oh yeah right so they're both incredibly attractive people so they they mash into each other it, they both make it seem very sexy. You know, she's hot. He's sweaty. They s- smash into each other. But at the same time, they gra- they're grabbing and gripping at each other. And you're like, I'm here for this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. more of that, please. <laughs> and But it's still funny. But at the same time, you're like, oh, no, they're into each other. And this is where you first, like, I really start thinking, oh, they're into each other. They're really into each other. Mm-hmm. So I guess during the filming of this scene, too, like they started out trying to wear like those like fig leaves that they'll put on movie sets, but they kept falling off. So eventually, like Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds were just like, fine, we're just going to shoot this naked and do our best. I mean, they're so naked. So there's I don't know if you could have hidden that much. And there's so much movement that like it, I think keeping yeah. anything on like a little sock on your, on, you know, your, on your doodad privates and her little like, you know, triangle. I, I, nope. You're just gonna have to smash them together. And I think that that probably yeah. made it extra funny for them. They, they got through it and they did a great job, but like, I'm sure it started off pretty awkward and like, yeah, like it seems like Sandra Bullock said she also had to get over like just the sort of the self-consciousness about having herself appear naked on film, but she is a fine looking She's woman. A fine so, looking, but if you yeah. think about it, when else has she been naked? Like, I think this might be the only time you ever see her mm. full naked. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, you could be right. And she she is absolutely incredible looking, but I think this is the most flesh you'll ever see off of her ever because she doesn't even show her mm. boobs really. She's not she's not that person. Yeah, she's, this is the most you'll ever see point. of a Sandy Bullock. I also I also really like this scene because once again it is it is incredibly well like timed paced choreographed. And I I really appreciate good comedic timing. And I find that this is incredibly yeah. good comedic timing. Well, choreographed too. Remember, the director started as a choreographer, yeah. so there you that go. That is true, and I I find that this is so well choreographed. I like you, and you know what's happening. You know the beats are happening. You know where they're headed. You know what's going to happen, and you're just sitting there waiting. And when it does happen, you're just it's an explosive moment for you. You're like, oh, so yeah. you're having your own kind of little like like mini laughter orgasm. You're like, oh. <laughs> funny okay so after they've gotten to see each other's bodies in this scene they start to see each other's minds in the next scene where they are kind of like at night margaret's lying in the bed andrew's lying on the floor which to me is interesting because usually in these movies like where you're on someone's home turf they will take the bed and they'll be like you get to sleep on the floor haha so i would have thought that he would have just taken the bed because he's like well you're the one who wants a stupid green card so the bed is mine yeah right but he's a gentleman So he's been raised a gentleman. So he's still going to take the floor. And while they're at night, she starts to open up to him. She starts to tell him some facts about herself for the green card interview. So um, I'm going to go ahead and do the speech if you don't mind. Go for it. Like like, these are her facts. I like the psychic network. Not in the ha ha. Isn't that funny? She likes that trash kind of way. I actually quite enjoy it. I took disco lessons in the sixth grade. My first concert was Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. I think Brian Dennehy is sexy. Don't like flowers in the house because they remind me of funerals. Never played a video game. I read Wuthering Heights every Christmas. It's my favorite book. Haven't slept with a man in over a year and a half. And I went to the bathroom and cried after Bob called me a poisonous bitch. And the bird tattoo? They're swallows. Got them when I was 16, after my parents died. So that is quite a grab bag of information. Yeah, we'll do that in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do you think about this grab bag of information first, though? Like, Um, like, like, I think you, I I really, first of all, I like the way that it's done. I like that she just kind of gives like a, a, like a brain dump. Like, this is the way that Margaret can handle giving out information. 
You know, mm-hmm. she's just like, I can't tell you about myself in like conversation, but I can give you just like a brain dump because then it seems a little less personal and you mm-hmm. can learn about me. And that way, if you, you know, you reject me in any, in any way, like I, I, I gave information, but I didn't give a part of me with, with that information. Yeah. And clearly though, it's also not all for the immigration interview because he's not going to tell the immigration person that she hasn't slept with a man in over a year and a half. Right. She's just telling him some real shit. Yeah. So, but that's like, I really like how this is done. I like how this is written. I like that she gets to be really vulnerable here. Apparently, you know, getting naked and smashing into somebody really has helped her, you know, shed some layers physically, metaphorically. And I, I, I also like the pieces that are shown right? Like this is, this all seems so real to me. Like this seems like a real conversation somebody could have had with somebody. Oh, and then like you were saying, um, she, so uh, Andrew pretends to not know who, let's see, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock are. To be honest, I did, would not have recognized the name, but like, so he, and she sings, you know, like it takes two to make a thing go right. And she sings a song to him. And then he's, and then he laughs and says, I just, I just wanted to hear you sing it. Basically <laughs> he was just punking out on that one. <laughs> But then just in a, a beat or two goes by and all of a sudden you see him on the floor and he goes, and Ryan Reynolds is singing in his falsetto voice. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. Which I can't sing falsetto the way Ryan Reynolds can. It's it's a thing of beauty when he does a falsetto. Yeah. My opinion. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a really fun, beautiful scene. And you really start to feel them come together. Whereas before you're just like, well, I mean, they're cute and all. But like, you know, I'm not, you might not be feeling the rom-com of it all, but this section I think really like starts to sell you. And then Andrew tells her like, don't take this the wrong way, but you are a very beautiful woman. (laughs) (laughs) And he means it in the, like, I was naked against you and you were very beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she smiles and yeah, but they're still sleeping in separate places. They're not, they're not doing the forced to share a bed trope, which I like the force to share a bed trope. I mean, we do see a little bit of that in a moment, but like, I don't know. I, I don't even mind when it becomes really cliched and they wake up accidentally holding each other in the morning, that part. I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. But do you think it works better to have them in separate places still? You know, I when it's interesting that you said that, because I've always wondered why at this point they weren't just in the same bed. Like, I, I don't really understand what the decision was to not put them in the same bed together. Why? Or why at this point she doesn't go, you know, why don't you just come sleep in the bed with me? Like, you don't have to be on the floor anymore. Yeah. Because this is a point where she's opened up. They've already seen, they've already touched each other's naked bodies. You know, she, she yeah. could have been like, come up in the bed with me, but you have to stay on top of the covers. Okay. We agree. We agree. Yeah. So then um, in the morning, Margaret wakes up and she does this thing where she tries to make herself pretty where she wake before he wakes up, like freshen herself up. And the director, Ann Fletcher, in the commentary says that all women did do this. And I'm like, I've never done this. <laughs> I've never done this. I've always just looked like I've always just let myself look, I don't know, weird when I wake up in the morning with a guy. I don't know. Do you do this? Um, Is this I like look a amazing thing? in the morning whenever I wake up. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing nice. I've ever done is I will, if I have to pee, I'll brush my teeth. So, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. because like I do, I would be like, well, maybe we'll get it on. And I do not like to have funk mouth, but I don't want you to have funk mouth either. Yeah, so I'll be yeah. like, no, you need to take that mouth and go brush it. So I won't, yeah, I won't be kissing yeah. you until that happens. And Fletcher, not every woman does this. That's all. That's all I got to say. That's true. Anyway, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. 
I guess it's a good way to show that she cares what he does. Right. It is a good way to show that, you know, she's just like, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking myself as a woman with you, whereas maybe she's never thought of herself as a woman with him. And now we get more of the, now they finally do end up in the bed, like, and forced to kind of cuddle or whatever, because the mom knocks on the door and is bringing them breakfast in bed. And so they can't look like they're not together. I mean, you could have just played it off like, oh, we had a fight, but they decide, no, we're going to be in bed. We're going to cuddle. And mom comes in and then dad comes in. Oh, wait. And also another thing about this is like, she gets, uh, there's a whole joke where he has like morning wood or something. And she's like, ah, (laughs) like freaking out about that. Well, anyway, mom comes in, then dad comes in, then grandma Annie comes in, and they've all come to ask, tell them that they've had this great idea that they should get married this weekend. I think tomorrow even, right? Yeah, no, like, they're, they're like, we're going to get married tomorrow. There's nothing like a shotgun wedding because they're all afraid grandma's going to die at any second. Yeah, they basically guilt them into getting married right there. So, So now we come to a scene that like, I feel like in any other movie yeah. would have gotten like, pounced on by now so i was expecting to like seek out this scene so basically the scene is like betty white's character is in the woods and she's doing like what looks like some sort of indigenous ritual right and like when i went to search for this online i was expecting to find like four or five articles just being like why this movie is problematic or why this scene is a problem why the scene should have been deleted or so you know what i right. mean because there's usually a bunch of these things why we should about cancel betty white movie. for the indigenous ritual theme <laughs> yeah but the but the thing is like I think the the reason that they you don't see these is because Betty White is one of those sort of uniquely beloved actors. And so is Sandra Bullock. And so is Ryan Reynolds. Yep. You've got three actors in this movie who are like people love. You know, I don't hear a lot of bad shit about any of those three nope. ever, you know? And so like, I think that's why this either either it's that or the movie's kind of flown under the radar. But for whatever reason, there were just a few isolated blogs that I could find commenting on this scene which like would be now called like cultural appropriation, I think, or at least being somewhat insensitive, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't really seem like they're appropriating a specific culture. Even the blogs that I looked at, they weren't, they couldn't point to like an exact, you know, the language is, I can't pronounce this language with T-L-I-N-G-I-T. Yeah, but when I've heard people say it, they don't pronounce it like that at all. I haven't been able to get the knack of it. But anyway, that's the language that Betty White's using. But then the the outfit she's wearing, I haven't been able to find any, like she's wearing what looks like some sort of like headdress and robe, but like, I couldn't find any like person who said, this is clearly this culture's thing. Um, On the commentary, the director and writer described this as a grab bag of spiritual beliefs, secular naturalism. And I don't know if they were themselves, they seem to be like almost approaching the topic of whether this is appropriation and then quickly pulled themselves back from it. (laughs) Like they, like they know that they probably shouldn't have done it maybe, but they're not going to say, you know what I'm right, saying? Like as they were doing it, they're like, this is really, I mean, we didn't even do anything specific research. We just were like, throw some shit together. That's okay. Yeah. 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 So it's like, they're not like, there's not like one specific culture in this ritual that's being like really appropriated, but at, at the same time, it's like nodding to that sort of thing. So, and later in the movie, this isn't really a spoiler, but you find out that Betty White's character is like some percentage of, I think it's Tlingit again or whatever. I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Sorry about that. I couldn't quite get it. Um, but I don't know if that makes it much better. It's kind of the Elizabeth Warren factor in all of it there. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to play a clip of this so you just get a feel for the scene and then we can discuss it a little more. And the clip of the scene is uh, Margaret is taking a bike out into nature, which is not designed to be in nature. And she is surprised that it doesn't work like her exercise bike at home. So, haha. <laughs> 
And she comes upon um, Grandma Annie doing this ritual. Go now, Come to me, Margaret of New York. Is I, Grandma Annie? Oh, I see you are a curious one. Come, see how I give thanks to Mother Earth. You know, actually, uh, I'm, I'm not that curious. I'll just look around you. Mother Earth has provided all this, just as she brought you and Andrew together to be joined. Oh, we must give thanks and ask that your loins be abundantly fertile. Come, dance with me in celebration. You know, can I can I just uh, thank her from here? I'll just. I insist. Okay, okay, okay. Have a, I will. We'll come down and dance with you. Follow and learn. Come on, Margaret. Feel the rhythm of the drums. Now you. Me what? Chat. Chat what? Whatever comes to you, it is the way. But I don't, I don't know any chat. Well, the trees. Use your vowels. E, O, O, E. Yes. Chat. Chat. Yes. 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 To the universe! Universe! Ah, ah. universe! Yes. Mm. To the crazy. Yes. To the window. Yes. Window. Yes. Wall. The wall. The to my balls. To all you bitches. Louder! Oh. To the window. To the window. To the walls. To the walls. To the sweat drip down my balls. To all you bitches. Crawl. All you see. For the. All you see. Yeah, so you see um, Mar- uh, Margaret taking um, Grandma Annie's ritual and turning it into like uh, a rap song, which I guess is Get Low by Lil Jon and the East Side Boys featuring the Yin Yang Twins, which I hadn't heard before, but there you go. I did not that's know that, song. but that's so funny. <laughs> and like that dancing leads to her like just sort of dancing more and like, and then of course Andrew comes and sees her doing this like wild dancing with his grandma. So I think that's, it's meant to build to that. Yeah. To that. And the payoff, the payoff is good. I just, I, it, it was uncomfortable for me to watch it. Like I'm like, I'm not an indigenous person, so I don't have a personal stake in being offended by it. But at the same time, like I understand why people would be offended by it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I can understand why people like, would be even offended. Not Apparently people culture. have not been offended because they're not writing about it. Um, and I will, or they just, like I said, it's either that or it's under their radar. Under the radar. Like, but I, I will know. tell you that it is when the movie came out, it is the part that every single person talked about how hysterically funny the the scene is. Oh yeah. It is the part that, and if you talk about the proposal, they're like, Oh my God, when Petty White does that ritual with Sandra Bullock, I mean, it's in like, it's so funny. Well, she's a really great, they're both great comedic actresses. And like, so I think really any scene where you put those two together, I think is funny. It is. You know what I, I mean? just think of that like it, they, you know, they it's a different time other. now. So like now you look back on it and you're like, what is happening? Like, why would you be doing this? This is just, pretty inappropriate for two white ladies to be yeah, like potentially making fun of or appropriating or whatever this but when this was made there was no such thing as that yeah i mean it, at least it wasn't like something widely discussed yeah like i think the aspects that make it like a little bit like push it a little too far too or like they're having betty white talk in this like way that's like supposed to be like you know, simpler English, like, right. you know, the way like they would have native people speak in movies in the past or whatever. 
And then also like the part where she throws some shit on the fire and it makes this big explosion and there's just crazy music pops up. It's like, it's like, oh, like weird magical ritual shit. You know right. what well, I mean? When she goes like, it's like, it just vowels. makes it very exotic. vowels. I'm yeah. like, why are we using vowels? Like, even though she used like a, a real language, now she's like comparing this real language to just a bunch of random syllables, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's also bad. Yeah. No, that was where for me, when I watched this, when I, when I watched this section, I'm always like, oh, this is not aged well at all. When she yells, use your vowels, yeah. I'm always like, oh, God, this is not aged well at all. But that's usually the only section yeah. for me where I'm just like, oh, God. If they were going to remake this or something, they could just make her like some sort of random new age Wiccan. Because like, as much as yes. like Wicca is a real thing too, you're not going to get Wiccan people all up in arms like, oh my God, you can't do that. Well, at least right now, I don't think you're going to get well, Wiccan people could, up in arms. Could, like, but also there are lots of random like new age people who they just march yeah. their own drum and you can be like, I don't know, some new age person is out there doing whatever they do. And like, maybe this is what like the writer and director intended. I think that's what they were trying to get across with this. Like definitely there was a time period, especially in the nineties where I think a lot of people were playing with different indigenous traditions, like, and incorporating them into their new age practices. I mean, still like there's a whole issue of whether you should use sage or whatever. Right. So I think, I think it was well-intentioned, but it doesn't necessarily look great. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't well-intentioned. It was like neutrally intentioned, perhaps. Somebody yeah. just thought this like, would be a funny intended. scene and like put Betty White doing this. Yeah. It'll be hysterical. These two white women are be standing out there like dancing around it, like a teepee and it'll be hysterical. And well, there was no, t- no, no I'm sure that, I know, I know there's okay, not, okay. but I guarantee you that okay. the person who pitched it, that's what happened. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you've been in the room, they're like, oh, that it'll be awesome. It'll be around TP. And somebody's like, um, sir, we're not going to put a TP in there. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not okay. Cause at that point in time, we were okay. Uh, we were at a point where we were like, we don't do that. Let's not do that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, my theory is going to stand is like either people aren't aware of this movie or they just love Betty White, Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock so damn much that they're not talking about it. That's that's why if it was different actors, people be on their asses probably. Oh, hell yeah. No. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so there was one I did want to read out too. like one of the main criticisms I found of this was somebody named Shay Vassar. She wrote a Medium article and she wrote among other things, please don't make native people, traditions, beliefs, or our cultures into the butt of your jokes, especially in an all white movie about a Canadian woman that is getting deported. So I just wanted to give Shay Vassar her due for being one of the only people to have written about this online. And I included a link to her medium post. All right. So really quickly, there's like a sort of throwaway interaction where Margaret and Andrew are at the general store and Ramon, I think he runs the general store also, and he's giving her back her phone. And he is super creepy to her in the general store. He's singing the song like it was relaxed by Frankie Goes to Hollywood or whatever. Like he's singing the song at her and dancing around her and like, remember, remember? And I'm like, ah, I would run away from this man. Once again, this whole section, (laughs) Ramon could have been cut from this film and no one would miss him. And you know what also is sad to me about this thing, though, is like in the, the show The Office, right? Like um, Michael Scott's character is constantly like um, trying to put st- stereotypes of like Hispanic people onto Oscar's character. And like he really evades all these stereotypes. He's just like super normal accountant, right? And like, but Michael's always trying to put these stereotypes onto him because he's the asshole character, basically, the unpolitically correct character. In this movie, Oscar Nunez is playing like all these different stereo- Latin stereotypes. It's so weird to me. Hmm. It's like he's already in the show that's commenting about how these stereotypes are ridiculous, but now he's in a movie where it's like using all these stereotypes. 
I don't know. Albeit putting him in Alaska, which isn't really a stereotype of what a Latin character would do or a Hispanic character would do. I don't know. Do you make anything of that? I know. I mean, I think it's a good point. I've never watched The Office, so I can't speak to that. Anyway. Okay, so we're, we're, oh yeah, go ahead. Do you want to introduce this or should I introduce the next section? The best section? This is like another really amazing section of the movie. Margaret is given the heirloom necklace dress. Um, She's given a necklace. She's given a dress. And both are incredibly ugly. So this is what I think is fantastic. You're, I think you're supposed to think these are beautiful, but they're really ugly. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think we are supposed to think they're beautiful? I, I always like, thought that you were supposed to know. think that they're beautiful, but maybe I'm wrong. I was always like, but these who, are so ugly. Who would think that they're beautiful? They are ugly. Both okay, of them are really ugly clothing items. Just ugly. Like, yeah, this, like this high-necked dress that's like really loose and like long-sleeved and like just plain and like this necklace is just like this really tiny blue stone it's yeah like, i'm like these are i mean just so ugly i'm like i don't but yeah so i always thought you were supposed to think that these were beautiful but i was just like okay maybe i'm the only person out there being like these are so ugly no they're they're not good i think you're supposed to just think like like margaret is like touched that grandma annie is giving her these things okay. i think and like it doesn't matter what they look like it's just like we we know that margaret's parents died so like this family connection is coming about and she's like just touched by the gesture maybe gotcha well she is given this dress and it doesn't fit her because it doesn't but it's gonna get fixed don't worry (laughs) and she's given a necklace and it's small and boring and i don't think it really suits her but you know she she's given it she's it's given to her and yeah, I, I think we pretty much talked about how we felt. I had not really thought about the fact that the reason why she was feeling kind of guilt about getting these items was because her parents had died. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And just like she hasn't been involved in a family situation in so long. So she's like, it's like touching her on a level that it might not touch other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and Grandma Andy's talking about her, you know, grand- grandparents or whatever. And she talks about how she had some native an- ancestry and one of them was native and the other person wasn't. And like how they persevered to be together anyway. And like, it's a whole thing, a touching moment, right, basically. Right. And then we have um, Margaret winds up um, trying to get away. So she's, it's all getting too much for her. This, she's, there's, she's having all these emotions and like, she's really a person who pushes her emotions down unless it's anger. And so she's yeah. having all this emotions. So she, she runs away and gets into a boat because apparently that's what you do. Even if you don't know how to drive a boat <laughs> because there's yeah. no cars. So she gets in a boat yeah. and she drives away in a boat, but she, she ends up falling out of the boat. Yeah, she and Ryan Reynolds are both in the right. boat, like, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so he goes back and rescues her, like, from the water. And you get that moment where he's, like, holding her close or whatever. Probably she needed to take off her clothes there because, like, isn't that what you're supposed to do when you're in really cold clothes? Yes. I don't know. Wet clothes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get naked again. You would have had more nudity. Yeah, she should have gotten naked again. <laughs> they both should have gotten naked because, like, you're supposed to have skin, warm skin against cold skin to make them warm again. yeah. Yeah. There should have been more nakedness, clearly. <laughs> and apparently Sandra Bullock actually got hypothermia shooting the sink. She really was jumping into the ocean. So wow. in Massachusetts. Wow. So, yeah. Well, poor, poor Sandra Bullock, but also good for her for you know doing what she has to do for her job. Yeah. Yeah. Any more you want to say about this before we begin spoilers? Um, I will say that this scene, um, at this point in the movie, I'm like, I want them just to get together already. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. just like, can you all just like, we know where this is going. I just want you to get together. Like, stop. I'm done with this foreplay. Let's do this thing. 
It can never be that easy, though, in a rom-com. No, it can no. never be that easy. It has to be barriers yeah. in your path. So now we are, we're going to go into the spoiler section. So if you've not seen this movie, go ahead and seek it out and rejoin us. Or if you don't care about spoilers, I don't know. Stick around. It's up to you. So we now get back to their house and we see the immigration guy has shown up. And we find out that Andrew's dad had been called by the immigration guy, told that he suspects their marriage is a ruse. And so the dad flies him out to Alaska because, wow, what a great dad. I know. Um, he's, and he's a real apparently winner. The immigration, yeah. And apparently the immigration guy has offered a deal to Andrew where if he like admits that it was all fake now, he can avoid going to jail and getting a fine and all this other stuff. And, you know, he'll just, you know, everything will be fine for him, I guess, except he won't have a job anymore. <laughs> um, and he offers the deal. But I don't know whether it's out of like loyalty to Margaret at this point and and care for her or if it's just to spite his dad. But Ryan Reynolds is like, I'm in love with this woman and we're getting married. You can come to the wedding. Right. I think it's a mixture of a few. I mean, I think it's a I think a mixture of all those emotions. I think at this point, like he's like, I don't I think most of it is like F you in the face, dad. How dare you do this crap? How dare you continue to try to control my life? For real. Yeah. Who are you to tell me what to do? But I think there is a part of him that's just like, you know, I I, I do kind of like her. I'm liking her more yeah. than I used to. So maybe that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And also in the boat scene that preceded this, she's also expressed her guilt and how she like forgot what it was like to have a family and how she really cares about his family now. So he knows that she's like, not just selfish anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to put in that the immigration guy, literally, you're, when he shows up, you're just like, why are you here? Like, who who shows up for, like, one person? Like, yes. she's not important to you. She's not, like, high profile or something. <laughs> yeah. No, the dude, this guy's probably super overworked. He probably has, like, brunch plans on the weekend. What is he fucking doing? This is ridiculous. Yeah, he's like, not. He's, he's like, not. He, like, I felt like this is, like, a scene from The Matrix where he's like, I'm going to get you. You're like a virus. And you're like, really, dude? She's just a chick, man. She's just, just this is like it, it this this is another trope though there's like definitely a trope in movies where there's like a government of, uh, official who's like hell-bent on destroying somebody's like life right? right so this character there's the epa guy from ghostbusters you're like why are you so intense about this you know everything everywhere all at once jamie lee curtis's like auditor is kind of like an example of that i know there's tons of other examples of this like this oh the library detective in seinfeld there's all kinds of like <laughs> government official who's way overzealous like i don't know yes it's a weird it's a weird trope it is but trust me these people want their weekends they want i was gonna say they want their weekends they don't want to come out it doesn't matter if your dad's like i'm gonna give you a full <laughs> full visit to alaska to sitka he'd be like oh like, no dude no it's, i don't want to go there that's a long fucking flight. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't want to go there not to mean? like get some not to deport some chick, man. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about it. All right. So now we come to the wedding. The wedding's going forward. And fucking Ramon is the minister, because of course he is. Of course he is. Because we have no other characters. And also, you know, he's the jack of all trades. So of course he's a minister. Yeah. But then like they're at the altar, and before they can really get the wedding underway. Margaret turns around and confesses that this whole situation is a sham in front of the family, in front of the immigration officer, says that she like forced Andrew into this situation, which makes him look kind of bad, to be yeah. honest, in front of his dad. And honestly, this immigration officer has just threatened this guy that he's going to go to jail yeah. if it turns out he was lying to him. Yeah. 
So like, I feel like this is like a super dick move. I find that like, this is if you're also in, a dick move. I was like, who does this? No. Really, you, you'd you have to like be under the assumption that like the immigration officer wasn't really serious, which, you know, in the movie world, he's not really serious. He doesn't send Andrew to jail. But like, why would you assume that if you were in a real world situation like this? You wouldn't. No. Anyway. And if, she, if she wanted to be like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable going through with this right now. You know, it's just too fast. I'm not, I just don't feel, you know, she could have said all these different things. She didn't have to be like, it's a sham. It's a sham. Yeah. Or she could just break, she could pretend to break up with him too. And then it wouldn't be like admitting that Ryan had, or sorry, that Andrew had participated in this. Like she could have just pretended to break up with him. Like, I don't love you anymore. Like I'm running away with Ramon or some shit. I freaking love Ramon. I discovered a different kind of man. Or there's like somebody else that you should marry. I think you should marry Gertrude. Or yeah, something. since I've been here, like, I've seen like, you and Gertrude together. So many other ways to do this. But yeah, I found that this was also a very dick move. It felt against her character as well. Like I just didn't find that this was yeah. true to her character. And yeah, and I, you know, I, I understand that she's sad about it, which I think that she would have made the decision not to go through with the wedding. That's to her character at this point, like this her redemption story. But to be like, I'm going to confess it all. You're like, um. No, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, not in front yeah. of everyone like yeah. this. This is this is bad for him. It makes him look like a fool, and it makes it's yeah. illegal. And just like you said, it, there's it's all kind of badness. Yeah, I don't know why they made this decision, but I mean, it's a very like rom coms don't always exist in the realm of like practicality, though. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're gonna write it off as that. I guess, but it makes her look like a dick. I don't think anybody's ever looked at this and yeah. been like, oh, she's so good. Look at her making the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a time for honesty, and this is not the time for that. That's right. That, the time was a while That's ago. That's right. According again, according to Boundless.com, about which has a lot of advice about immigration, any kind of misrepresentation or dishonesty to immigration officials is considered fraud and will prevent you from getting a green card. So she has blown up her chances. Like as we get to the end of the movie, you see them like reapplying again. Would not happen. Mm-hmm. Would not happen. There, there's no way on earth she's getting a green card. Maybe ever now in the real world. So, she's yeah. she's stuck as a Canadian now. That's too bad. I mean, it's not bad to be a Canadian. There's book publishing jobs in Toronto. I'm pretty sure. So. Well, and so the other thing, the other thing is, the other thing they haven't talked about at all is like she could be working on a visa. She doesn't have to have a green card at all. Just saying. Oh yeah, well, but the problem is she's her visa's expired because she didn't follow the paperwork. Right, but, well, she could get. She could wait. She could have worked from home or something and come back and like in like three months or whatever and been worked as on a visa. Well, no, they established or something. Well, in the rules of this movie, they established something like she has to stay out of the country for two years and she can't work for an American company. Like that's what the guys that are. Oh yeah, that's intense and that's probably not accurate. Okay. I mean, none of this is that. None, nothing about <laughs> the immigration situation in this movie. As we discovered and we're putting on the t-shirt, don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah. Don't trust your rom-com movies. Don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah, not this one anyway. I find the movie Green Card, the actual movie Green Card, actually, it was a little more accurate in some of the things yeah, that, yeah, that set up. But yeah, this is, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so now we come to the sort of end of the film. Margaret has left with the guy deporting her. And like, suddenly he's like really nice about everything. He's like, well, this will be really easy now. Like, not like I'm going to arrest you. You're just going to leave the country. And he doesn't say anything about something bad happening to Andrew. He's just flying calmly with Margaret back to America. Yeah, now he's got his woman and and he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm done. Yeah. And Margaret has left a letter for Andrew in which she basically says, you're great. You have a great eye for manuscripts. You're a great worker. I'm going to make sure that your book 
gets like chosen and that you get to be an editor. Yeah, because she admits that the reason why she that he hasn't gotten promoted is because she just didn't want to let him go because she wasn't going to find anybody as good as him. He's like sort of infuriated and flattered by the letter. And he's talking to Gertrude about this. And then Gertrude helps him realize that he's really into Margaret because she's a good friend. It's true. It's true. And she, she knows love because, you know, she probably really loved. She probably really loved him. Yeah, and they said that they were going to, like, originally they were going to push that angle a little more, just have more scenes with Gertrude and Andrew and have it be more of a real possibility that they would get together. Do you think that would have been better? Or I, just do. I, I do. I do. Because that's actually a storyline that I would have enjoyed watching. I think Gertrude's character is something somebody I'm really interested in. Yeah. So Grandma Annie then, like, sort of fakes a heart attack. They don't know she's faking it, but she's faking a heart attack in order to get, like, a plane to come, like a medical rescue plane. And then she tries, she gets everyone in the family to agree to be kind to each other and to not blame each other for things. And after she's gotten this established, she tells the plane to reroute itself to the airport so Andrew can try to catch Margaret. So then there originally too, I watched the original ending, which is that he does catch her at the Mm -hmm. airport. And it involved like this, like sort of black female flight attendant, like sort of in a comic situation too. And that was a pretty good ending too. Like I thought it worked, but they, they chose not to go with that. They instead have him have to follow her all the way back to New York and have this scene take place in the office. I, I heard that it yeah. tested poorly. So I heard that people, they, oh, yeah. that it tested poorly. People didn't actually believe it, oh, which is interesting okay. to me because guess what? Is this movie really believable in lots of ways? No, <laughs> uh, but okay. Yeah. I do. I guess I do like how it circles back to the office because they met at work. They're mm-hmm. they're bonded by work in certain ways because they both have a passion for this publishing field. So also, I like um, that it gave yeah. them. I like that it gave them both time to think about what was happening. That wasn't done in like a passion, but it gave them both space to yeah. be like, okay, it. You know, I've thought about what I really want, and I, I came all this yeah. way, and I still want you. Well, here's a little bit of the, the proposal clip of Andrew proposing to. Uh, Margaret at the office. Three days ago, I loathed you. I used to dream about you getting hit by a cab or poisoned. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, I told you to stop talking. Then we had our little adventure up in Alaska, and things started to change. Things changed when we kissed. And when you told me about your tattoo. Even when you checked me out when we were naked. Naked? Well, I didn't see anything. Yeah, you did. But I didn't realize any of this until I was standing alone in a barn, wifeless. Now, you can imagine my disappointment when it suddenly dawned on me that the woman I love is about to be kicked out of the country. So, Margaret. Marry me. Because I'd like to date you. That's like my favorite line in the movie. Marry me, Marry me I'd like to date I'd you. Like date you. Hmm. I think that's a great line. I, I think it is too. And I think the speech as a whole kind of works. I think it's a good speech. I mean, if it wasn't Ryan Reynolds delivering it, it's hard to say. He does such a really good job hmm. on delivering that. Yeah, like so much of this movie wouldn't work without him. I agree. So yeah, I agree. But the one thing that was like, so they they after this, she kind of raises some objections, and then he convinces her, blah blah blah, and then they kiss. Um, 
one thing that happens while they're kissing, which I found interesting, was a guy in the background says, yeah, show her who's boss, Andrew. Because power dynamics. Very interesting. Because power dynamics. Once yeah. again, this, the underlying current of this film, the underlying theme of this film is like power dynamics, the, the, the flipping of power dynamics, you know, can you be, can you be masculine if you work under a woman? You know, and that's, that's kind of, that's one of the things I found really interesting about this film. But the movie in a way, like seems to be saying that now, like, like now the happy ending is that Andrew is now like, he doesn't have to be under a woman anymore. Like he is truly a man or something. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, in a way, it's kind of like putting her down in a way, like show her who's boss. Like, is she going to be respected in this office to the same degree that she was before? You know what I mean? Well, this, and so this like, is the thing. I think it, that the people around the people around them might very well be like, you show her who's boss, but it's going to make her mm -hmm. more likable in the office. I don't know if she'll be more respected. Mm -hmm. She'll be less feared. Let's say that she's probably yeah. going to be less feared now, but she actually might become more likable because she's actually yeah, with somebody who's likable. It really shows though, like the bind that women can be in sometimes, yes. you know, like to be likable as a woman is like to be, sort of softer or less powerful. That is correct. In some degree. That is correct. And that is one of the things I really like about this film is that can you be can, can you be a powerful woman? Can is it possible to find love as a powerful woman? Can you find a man who is okay being essentially subservient to you? Because although he has kind of like come into his own power, I don't really feel that their mm -hmm. roles have reversed that heavily. I, I still feel yeah. like he, he might have, he might become more on even footing with her, but he never asked her to be less. Yeah. Not once did he say, I need you to become less. Yeah. She's still editor in chief. I just like, I found that guy yelling that like slightly disturbing. Ah, okay. Like, just slightly disturbing. Just like, like, like before these people wouldn't even talk back to her. Right. Mm -hmm. They, they were cower before her and now they feel comfortable yelling this thing out. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. No, I get. I mean, I get anyway. what you're saying, but it's 100 percent true. Like as a woman, like you can't. It is. It is hard as a woman, as somebody who is a powerful woman who's quite often unliked. Me, it is because like to hold power, you often have to be unliked, and you have to be okay with being unliked. And like some of the traits that people find likable in men, they don't find likable in women. No, absolutely not. Still. Because we, you know, men can't, men, it's perfectly fine if you believe that you are right and you make somebody else believe that they are wrong. It is, mm -hmm. you can be firm and dominant and not smile mm -hmm. while you do it. So interesting yeah. that you said that because I, you know, I hadn't really noticed that when I watched the movie, but I totally see that now. So after this, like, uh, they kiss and get together and everyone's happy. Oh, about the kiss. Was I happier with this kiss? Yes. Um, it was okay. All right. It didn't like blow me away, but like, it was okay. Yeah. I like that they're smiling. I would have actually liked to see an actual wedding between them. That would have made me happy. Instead of ending with like a wedding back in Alaska or something, we end with like them back in the immigration officer's office. He's still pretending to be tough, even though he would have been within his rights to deport her and like put him in jail at this point. <laughs> it's what he keeps saying he's going to do, right? <laughs> like, why is anyone even listening to this guy at this point? But instead, he's like interviewing them and he's interviewing Grandma Annie. And for some reason, he's interviewing Ramon. Okay. And here's the thing. The director and writer said that they thought it would be funny to hint that like he's now going to try to deport Ramon. 
And I'm like, did you think it would be funny? Like, how tone deaf is that? I'm like, that's pretty tone deaf. And <laughs> like, that's not funny. My eyebrows won't wait up. I'm like, what? That's not funny. It's like, what? Because he has kind of like a Hispanic accent. Like, you assume that he's not a citizen. Like, that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> you know, you're 100% he right. I've been I'm- living there for. I had not thought about this if it had ended back where they were instead of like in the immigration office, which who cares about at this point, nobody, nobody cares about the immigration office, but if they'd ended back at Sitka having a wedding, that would have been so much better. And it would have been fun. Yeah, The immigration dude could have been there. Even he could have like, he could have been walking her down the aisle for F's sake. (laughs) That would have been right. Like that. I'm like, I'm down with that. I'm there for that. A hundred percent. And she's in a, she's in a better wedding dress. Like she's like F this old wedding dress. Like it's a whole thing. And then they like do like a huge, like Indian Bollywood dance at the end. I don't know about the Bollywood part because that seems well, really they're random. Do but okay. that's random. A dance, they're going to do something random. They're going to do some kind of like random, like Tlingit dance ceremony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything, whatever. Like, yeah, the yeah the immigration guy has no teeth anymore. Like, basically. But anyway, he's just interviewing them about asking them random questions, and they they make the best of it. They're kind of funny. Um, Betty White with Kevin is my favorite part. Like, she's <laughs> like, we don't talk about Margaret around Kevin, and then Ke- Kevin starts barking or whatever. We don't. We don't. Poor Kevin. Kevin's like, I don't like that chick. Never again. What you? What you don't know? What <laughs> <laughs> you don't know? Yep. Anyway, that's the end of the movie. Let's see. Do we? Do you want to clean up any random thoughts? We yeah. Have well, about now it? I'm Anything like. Now I'm going to say that I'm a bit dissatisfied with the end of this film. Now I'm going to sit around being like, anytime I watch this in the future, I'm like, we should be having a wedding because, like, usually I end it and I'm like, okay, whatever. I sometimes don't even make it to the immigration office, like, because the thing, like, often I'll just stop it after the proposal mm-hmm. and I'll just leave. Like, yeah. I'll just end the film. And, like, I don't even get to. Like, I don't care when they go back to the immigration office. It makes no difference to me. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'll just be like, well, but, that's because they should be getting, they should be having a big wedding. And so now I'm really sad that yeah. it, this is such a missed yeah. opportunity. They've brought all these characters together, this whole community of characters that you've been told to care about. So like have them, they have Mal and Ackerman be the bridesmaid, you know, have yeah. like the whole thing. Maybe Gretchen like, has a boyfriend. Not? It'd be a nice way to like tie people back in together. Oh, Gertrude. Gertrude, 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 yeah, Gertrude yeah, has yeah. like a boyfriend, you know, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like get to tie things back in a little bit. Damn it. Kevin could be the ring bearer. I would yes, also like okay. that. Kevin's the ring yeah, bearer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've now rewritten the the movie at the end. It'll be much better. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do think so. I do think so. Uh, yeah. I, I Until you reacted to it, I didn't think it was that much better. But now I'm like, yes, it would be It would better. be 100% so, right. You're yeah. 100% right. Your, your instincts were yep. correct. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Let's see. Any other random things? So one other random thing I had was like, I find it interesting that this is sort of like a weirdly flipped Hallmark movie because like you always have these Hallmark movies where this like high powered woman goes back to her hometown and she realizes that she really should have learned from her hometown all along and like, you know, stayed there or whatever. And a lot of times they end up going back there. Right. Mm -hmm. But like Ryan Reynolds character is high powered. He wants to be high powered. He goes back to his hometown and he doesn't say, Oh, I should stay there. No, he's gets to be firm and where he wants to be in the city with his ambitions. And he gets the girl. And I feel like a woman in that situation so often, it's like, why didn't you stay home? But a man, it's like, we're going to give you the prize. We're going to give you your ambitions. It's okay. Yeah. So that's just one note I wanted to have. Good note. I like it. All right. I think that I've got enough random thoughts. Do you want to go to double feature? Uh, double features. All right. Double feature for me this time is The Blind Side because it's amazing. And 
it's Sandra Bullock in an Academy Award winning movie. So come on now. Definitely Maybe, which is Ryan Reynolds in what I think is probably my favorite rom-com with him in it. Why do you like, why do you, why is that like a favorite of I, yours though? Well, like- it's a, it's a story. First of all, it's a, it's a rom-com told from the male perspective, which almost never happens. So I really enjoy that. It's told, he's telling it to his daughter. So I, I like that. It's a very just different kind of like setup and it's told in pieces. So I like, a, I like the, that it's not like a linear story. I like that. It's kind of like told back and forth. So, because he's telling his daughter how he fell in love with their mom and, you know, how they got together. Uh, so it's, it's one of the films I really, really like. And then I'm going to go with a movie called Loving Leah, which is a very unusual film, but it's also a film kind of about, um, marriage and convenience. It's Jewish people and she's married to her husband. Her husband dies. And in their faith, in their Hasidic faith, you, you marry the brother. And so essentially mm-hmm. she gets on with the brother to, cause she needs somebody to take care of her. And you think it would be creepy and weird, but it's really beautiful and it's well done. Right now you can see it on Amazon Prime if you get Hallmark for a week. So different that kind of movie. It's a very different kind of movie. Is it like, so is it more of a drama? No, it's still, it's still, it- I mean, it is, has, has, it's very dramatic, but it's still, it still has very funny moments. Okay, cool. Yeah. That like it's the same level, like green card. I never really found to be like, like, like super funny. Like I find that more oh, it's dramatic. Funny. I find green card funny, but that will, we'll save that for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm about All to right, go ahead. So actually I'll go right into that. So green card is one of my double feature recommendations with Gerard Depardieu and Andy McDowell. And in that case, like he's playing a French man who needs a green card. And I don't remember why Andy McDowell agrees. It has something to do with maybe keeping her apartment, I think. It's been a while since I saw it. I did not rewatch it, but I used to watch it all the time back in the day. And my and I just love the movie. I, I think they have really great chemistry together. Um, I think it's really funny the way they have to, they make all these fake pictures about their fake wedding and marriage together. It's a culture clash movie where they, they have to get used to like living with each other's habits. And I find the romance in that one to be very believable. And the comic moments, a lot of them are caused by like Gerard Depardieu's like Frenchness, I guess you could say. <laughs> like, it's like from 1990, a time when it was just so funny how different French people were or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really like this movie. I think it's charming. I want to watch it again. I just haven't had time to rewatch it this week, but I will watch it again soon, I think. So Green Card was my first recommendation. Another, you know, fake dating, fake marriage, Green Card you know, movie. Um, my second choice is going to be my favorite Sandra Bullock romantic movie, which is not a comedy per se. It's the Lake house from 2006, which she stars in with Keanu Reeves. I think Sandra Bullock has great chemistry with Ryan Reynolds, but there's nothing that comes close to the chemistry she has with Keanu Reeves in speed and in the Lake house. And the Lake house is such a beautiful story. Um, the only quibble I have with the Lake house is they totally like mangle the plot of a Jane Austen movie or Jane Austen book. They're describing always bothers me but um beyond that the entire movie is really cool it's about people who are living in different times and communicating with each other through a magic mailbox which sounds like it would be really cheesy but it plays out really beautifully more of like a magical realism kind of a thing and just uh keanu reeves and sandra bullock together just you can't go wrong in my opinion so yeah what you got what you got um you were gonna say yeah no i hate the lake house i think it's one of the most inane movies ever 
I, I call it the magical mailbox. So when you said magical mailbox, I literally am like, that's what I call that movie. And I say it in a derogatory <laughs> way. I'm like, oh, God, that magical mailbox oh. movie's on again. <laughs> I love the lake house. Whatever. <laughs> okay. And the, my final recommendation is 27 Dresses, which is another movie directed by Anne Fletcher and another wedding movie. And in this one, the main character has just been a bridesmaid in like, I guess, 27 weddings because she has 27 bridesmaid dresses. And they're like, like one of the pleasures of the movie is seeing all the different weird dresses that she's had for these different themed weddings. And this reporter played by like James Marsden is going to do like a report on her and I think like the thing is where he's supposed to kind of do this thing that makes her look kind of bad. And then through getting to know her, he finds out that he really likes her and he falls in love with her. And, but is she going to still like him after she finds out he's a reporter, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's a really basic rom-com, very genre movie. It's, it's sort of like in the same category, the proposal for me, where it's like the kind of thing I'll just watch if it's on, but I don't seek it out. Mm -hmm. But I think I actually get a little more pleasure from 27 dresses. I think I just like looking at all the dresses. I like um, there's a karaoke moment or at least a singing in a bar moment. Um, it's just more fun for me, I guess. But um, yeah, I think it'd be cool to just watch two Anne Fletcher movies, though, like um, see what her range is across these different rom-coms. I'm going to have to take okay, – yeah. I'm going to take a stab at 27 dresses again. Um, I also remember hating this movie and wishing myself dead during like a screening of it. Um, like literally like being like, if I could die, I would get my time back. I would be dead. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're, you're really decimating my double features this week. Well, you know, everybody has different like, listen, I'm surprised people, I'm surprised you agreed to the proposal in the first place. I know it's a film that not everyone loves, but. There you go. No, I don't see. I'll cover anything. Like it says, every rom com for a reason. I will cover a rom com that I hate, <laughs> let alone one that I just feel sort of mediocre about. So there so, you like, bring it. it on, man. Well, I'm bring on whatever. I'm willing to try. I remember talking to somebody about Twenty Seven Dresses. Um, Shonda Rhimes actually picked up the the script to this one and was looking at doing a remake at one point. And I was like, oh. I'd be into that. Now I would be into that. That would be so much more interesting to me. However, yeah, you know, I definitely feel like it's a, mo a movie that could be pushed in more directions yeah. for sure. So. And that I'm like, I'd be, I'd be there for that. Like whatever, you know, however Shonda Land would want to do that. But yeah, she had picked it up um, as, as a kind of a remake, but who knows what will ever, if anything ever happens with that. So those are our double feature recommendations for this episode. Um, we are just in the very beginning planning stages of the wedding series, but some movies that you probably will see in the series our Four Weddings and the Funeral, um, probably the Philadelphia story to get something older in there, and some other things like wedding banquets, um, our family wedding, or things I'm kind of floating around. If you have any you know, suggestions, please um, either follow us on our social media and let us know, or email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. We'd love to hear what kind of wedding movies you would like to see us cover. Um, thanks again, Sybil, for coming back. So glad to have your energy here again. Thank you for having me as always. I will see you on the next show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.